Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of the Sneak Preview, a Filmgasm Productions podcast that follows the current film calendar. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Caleb Lejeck. And we've got a big, fat, girthy episode for you today. Talking about seven movies today. It's not usually this big. It was big 4th of July weekend this year. We've got Till Death, No Sudden Move, America the Motion Picture, Fear Street Part 1, 1994, Werewolves Within, The Tomorrow War, and The Forever Purge. Jesus. We were both able to watch all seven of these films, which I still can't fucking believe we did that. <laughs> it's like first a huge chunk of my social life. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about all of them, with The Forever Purge being our primary focus of discussion. Uh, but first, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. We've got four trailers to discuss this week. First up, Beckett, a political thriller starring John David Washington that lands on Netflix August 13th. Uh, this looks interesting. I'm not a very big fan of like political thrillers. I think they all kind of are the same movie. Uh, but I like John David Washington, so I'm willing to give this one a... Uh, shot nice uh unfortunately i don't have much to say because i actually did not watch this trailer now i think about it, i don't know how much i'll say because i don't know what the next three trailers drew <laughs> they are, i actually i've seen so many films this week i can't remember if i watched any fucking trailers this week uh <laughs> um i like you like with political thrillers like it's like a mixture of them just kind of being the same they don't always excite me like i don't get really in it's hard for me to get into a movie where like you have to know all the the lingo, and especially with like a political thriller. You gotta know like a, a little bit of political lingo usually with those movies. So it's like I'm I'm always kind of like at an arm's length with those things. I've seen the occasional one that you know draws me in, but most of the time, eh. It's not about lingo for me. It's just that it's always the same. Like you don't understand what's going on here, or you know somebody somewhere is making a play for some seat on some council and. Some dude just happens to find out and now like, the entire government is hunting him. And like, I just never believe it. You know, it is always so ridiculous. It's always feels like it's written by somebody who is like heard of politics, but doesn't actually know how they work. And I just, I, yeah, I, there are a dime a dozen. There's usually like two or three come out a year. We've already had, you know, without remorse this year. So here's our second one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got our, you know, Prime got out another one of their damn Tom Clancy things to say on Jack Ryan. Yeah. Now we're getting this one out. So, I mean, but, you know, not trying to be like a dig towards like the streaming services because there have been really good movies released on streaming services. We're going to talk about some today, actually. Yeah. But for the most part, a lot of what comes on the streaming services is pretty much just following whatever is famous and popular right now. And we'll, we'll get them money because, you know, they got to get money on their invisible printing machines. Well, with streaming, it really just feels like, you know, casting a wide net and just hoping you catch anything. Like, there's no focus, really. It's just, we're going to release everything we can possibly buy up and hope something sticks. And if it does, we'll throw our money towards that. If not, no big loss. Yeah. Especially Netflix. Netflix is the biggest offender of this. Yeah. They do it the worst. I will say the best. Quick little shout to uh, Shudder. 
they are the best because they do look at like what's really tracking on the uh, the circuits on the festival circuits. Yeah, seems to be doing really hot in the community, and they will grab it to put it on that service. So they tend to kind of to me, I tend to go to them quicker on stuff than other ones because they try to actually get good stuff that you usually won't see get put anywhere else. That's true. That's true. And I wish I had more of a kind of you know. I wish I could notice more with Shutter. I feel like their stuff is very off the radar. Every time they launch something, I I feel like I find out about it two or three weeks after it comes out. Yeah, it was so like because I get on by discussing and they'll pick it up during the festival run. Like Mandy got picked up by Shutter when it was still hitting festivals and still coming out in theaters and like limited theaters, and it didn't come out. I think on the site for another like I'd say three or four months. Because they have, I think they make a deal where it's like they do their little festival one and then they go to like a DVD Blu ray, try to get some physical sales up, and then they go to Shutter, which I guess boosts them more on the physical sales because Shutter will put anything out uh, that they stream on physical media, which I love. Yeah. Um, so they just they take their time, but it's worth it. Like there's one coming, I want to say this month, Karcheko's Wife that I've heard about for months and months and months. It's been in my Fangoria. I've seen it on all the sites, and they're, they picked it up. I think it's finally coming out this month. Uh, I do plan on checking it out. Uh, Psycho Gold knows no one. I was hitting the circuits like crazy and was getting all this like praise and stuff, and it finally got put onto the service uh, last month. Well, here's hoping we can grab you know, Jacob's wife before it comes out. I'd like to get one of those on the sneak preview. I just always seem to find out after the fact. Thing. Uh, they, they usually do a big announcement then i forget until i'm like i'm checking shutter and i'm like oh shit that's on there now okay well beckett comes out on netflix august 13th uh probably won't make a splash and it'll just kind of fall into like the netflix void where all of these movies seem to pop i see them advertised for like two weeks and then they just vanish and you you only find them if you're looking for them it's weird they don't really seem to care about their movie output and most of their shows either. They don't really care either. I don't really know how they make money. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> uh, next up, Jolt, which is basically a gender-flipped crank reboot starring Kate Beckinsale and a great ensemble cast. Lands on Prime Video July 23rd. And this, yeah, like I said, this looks identical to Crank. <laughs> I mean... It's just a woman this time. She's wearing like an electric vest that keeps her heart rate stable or something, and then she needs to charge it if she gets too crazy, something like that. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I saw the doing herself doesn't really look like anything I've seen before, but I mean, I you know what? I can't admit it. I'm a, I'm a dude. Kate Beckinsale is super attractive, and I'll I'll watch it just to look at her kick ass. Since she's not giving me a conclusion to the Unreal franchise anytime soon. I'll watch this. Yeah, I you know, I've got this show, so y'all know I'll watch it. I I have to. Um is it really that bad to watch something with Kate Beckinsale though? I mean, at least you have that much going for it. Yeah, but I I just I there's this trend in Hollywood right now of just finding a movie that people used to like, slap a new coat of paint on it and just you know, market it as something new and I'm tired of this. There's a yeah. few movies we watched, you know, for this episode that are exactly that, and it really bugged me. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I don't like that. I like originality. I don't mind sequels as long as they actually progress the story. 
I just, I don't like rehashes. I really fucking hate rehashes. And that's, I feel like a lot of stuff this, this like during, especially this year with, you know, streaming, I feel like I've, I feel like I've seen a lot more this year than I have in the past. Yeah. It was almost like they're making up for last year. Yeah. But make up for with some new shit. Like give me something original, some original thought. No, we want to give you everything that was supposed to come out last year first, and then we'll get there. So we we'll probably have to wait till 2022. <laughs> yeah, that's not a surprise. Next up, Don't Breathe 2, the long-awaited sequel that seems to suggest the terrifying blind man, played by Stephen Lang, may be the hero this time around. Uh, debuts in theaters August 13th. I see you shaking your head there. <laughs> I know because I actually I they did an interview right after the trailer and Freddie Evers made it very clear he goes he's not the good guy. Okay, good because the trailer really fucking made it look like well, he was the good no, guy. No, you forgot that one line that guy says to the chick in the trailer. He goes, "He's not who you think he is." Remember the the guys in the mask are like, who are the bad guys on this movie? They say that to that that gore. He's not who you think he is. So based off that line and what they said in the interview. There's more to this than what they're showing in that trailer. Okay. And that he's no, they were like, they were very adamant to like, he's not the good guy. We are very aware of what went down in the first movie. We made the movie. <laughs> but like, we're telling a story that is a very natural progression. And you you can draw your own conclusions of what you think of this guy after, but no, he's not good. You understand what he did. Good. Cause I don't know who edited that trailer, but they really should have maybe tried a different approach because the trailer gives you kind of like uh you know they burn his house down they they kidnap this girl and he's like gonna go save her and i'm like so this is the dude we're relating to now the guy who tried to rape a girl with a turkey baster okay great <laughs> so i hope you're right yeah i hope yeah i mean i hope they're not trying to do that to save face but i got from that interview and like said that line that was in the trailer when the guy's like he's not who you, you think he is Makes does make me think that there's a lot more that they kind of left out of the marketing to wait till you go see the movie. Which, if so, it's probably some of the best marketing we've seen in film in a while. Then that's true, it that's doesn't true. happen often, it seems nowadays. People are talking about it. Um, I'm surprised we even got a trailer. I honestly thought this was going to get pushed because I've like heard nothing about this for a long time, but here it is. They did it, I guess, in secret. <laughs> yeah, it. You know, I know we've been saying that a lot, like, I'm surprised this isn't getting pushed. I'm at a point now where I'm not surprised nothing's getting pushed. It just seems like everything somehow got filmed without us knowing. Yeah. And they're just taking their time. And I guess for weekends like this, they're just taking their time to actually, like, release trailers so there's actual hype when these films come out. Because I, I think there's, there is the added battle of, like, not all theaters are fully open up in some places where it's still bad. Well, hopefully by what when's that coming out? Uh, August 13th. Yeah, hopefully by August uh, and then into the fall we'll be a little bit more stable like mm -hmm. as a nation. Uh, finally, and I, I am so excited for this, The Many Saints of Newark, the long-awaited Sopranos prequel film starring Michael Gandolfini, son of the late great James Gandolfini, as a teenage Tony Soprano, the role that made his father an icon. This debuts in theaters and on HBO Max October 1st, and I am so psyched. I'm a massive Sopranos fan. I'm three seasons deep into a rewatch, and I, I'm, I'm hoping I can finish it before this comes out so it's all fresh. But 
this looks so good. David Chase, the guy who created the show, is helming and writing this. This is going to be so good. An amazing cast. Uh, John Bernthal, Ray Liotta, Corey Stoll. This is going to be so cool. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so I have not seen the show. I know. So at first I held off on this trailer, but then I finally watched it actually recently. And yeah, you know, as someone who hasn't seen the show, it, the movie itself still looks good. Like, I I think that that really does show confidence in what they got. That the guy who did the show is coming back for this to, and is the one in charge of this. Yeah. The cast is utterly insane. And yeah, I think it's awesome that they got uh, James Gandolfini's son to play his character. Like that is really good casting, especially if it based off trailer looks like he's going to pull it off. Yeah. As someone who's seen the entirety of the Sopranos, like, well done. He's he's got the essence of a young, angsty Tony Soprano down pat. I'm oh, this is gonna be great. Ah, and he, it looks like you know, like you said, if you haven't seen the show, this does look like it could stand on its own as a really cool gangster film. So I I hope that that's the case. Yeah, because if I I would say I would love to rewatch the show. I'm just gonna. If I was younger with less responsibilities, I could achieve that within the time it comes out now. But let's just be realistic. I probably won't be able to achieve that. So if I just end up just seeing the movie without having watched show still, you know, hopefully, yeah, it does stand on its own because it has, uh, as a movie, it did look really good. It drew my attention. Oh, yeah. I've, I've watched this trailer a few times. It's just like that little sting of music at the end is the Sopranos theme song. Mm-hmm. So it's like, ah, it's great. I got the same vibe when I saw the Dr. Sleep trailer and they used uh, the shining music at the end, like just to tease people. That's the vibe. Oh. Like I got the same chills. So this oh, is okay. this is going to be sweet. And they've been talking about this movie for a long time now. I was starting to doubt if it was ever going to happen. And here we are. So, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> nice. All right. That's it for trailers. Let's talk about the rest of what happened last week in film. Ron Perlman is voicing the beast robot Optimus Primal in Transformers Rise of the Beasts. And as much as I don't know what the hell I just said, I do love Ron Perlman. So that's that's cool. (laughs) So, yeah, I like I like Ron Perlman definitely has like a unique enough voice to voice a Transformer. Um, A little bit that I, (laughs) I looked up for this movie. It sounds like they're trying to continue in the essence of like Bumblebee. Which that was probably like I think for a lot of people the only good Transformers movie. <laughs> so if they do continue down that route, hey, good for them. I hope they have success and I'll I'll enjoy it. I actually did really like Bumblebee. So <laughs> I'm open to this series if Michael Bay stays away from it. I gave up after Age of Extinction. I have not seen The Last Night or Bumblebee, and honestly, yeah. I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch last night i've tried that movie twice and my head literally hurt i had to take an aspirin <laughs> afterwards like i've never gotten a headache from watching a movie so i sat through that and tried to wrap my head around what the fuck was happening i do highly highly recommend bumblebee like if you want a transformers film that should like what you envision a transformers film to be it's bumblebee that one i do recommend seeing well i think the biggest problem is like throughout my childhood and into adulthood, I have never gave, I've never given a shit about the Transformers. So I don't really care is the big part of it. So if the movies already suck and I already don't care about the, like the uh, source material, I don't, it's not worth my effort. It's really not. That's fair. But we also have this podcast. So you might want to do your homework. 
Oh, fuck you. Um, yeah. Again, just watch Bumblebee. Just look. I'll get into my feelings on Michael Bay. We're going to talk about a little till death and in relation to the actress involved in that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. When Rise of the Beast comes out, which I think is like 2022, 23? 22. 22. All right. When that comes out, the week leading up, I'll do exactly what I did with the, I didn't give a shit about the purge till the new one came out. And then I watched them and I'm like, these are pretty good. So I think I'll do, I'll just do the same thing. I'll just fucking bite the bullet and watch all these shit films again. And the new ones. I look, I'll say it on my end. I'll say it. I'll, def- I'll die on hell in this stance. I like the first three <laughs> entertaining. Come at me film fans. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I think they're stupid. I think they're product placement. I think that, well, that's pretty much all I've got to say. They're stupid. And you are completely right. And I, I acknowledge those faults and I still enjoy the first three. Good on you. Good on you. I, I bought them because I think because of you and I still have them because I can't give away movies. I just can't do it. I don't care how bad the movie is. It's oh, part dude. of the collection. My parents gave me Green Lantern with Brian Reynolds and yeah. it's a terrible movie, but I still have it. It's in there now. Well, Transformers, it's never going away because they are a billion dollar franchise. There's always going to be another one, regardless of how many times they end it. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, as long as Michael Bay stays out of it, it'll be in much better hands. I think he really kind of, I will say he did kind of fuck up any interest in this series. That's what he does. Um, there is a Scott Weiland biopic in the works based off the late Stone Temple Pilot singer's memoir, Not Dead and Not for Sale. It's early yet, but it's in development. Um, intrigued. Uh, you know, I love rock biopics. Uh, I've enjoyed Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, Get On Up. And I enjoy these. So, yeah, Scott Weiland. Let's see where this goes. Yeah, same. You know, I, I know I've said uh, probably a couple times on other shows we've done about wanting to see some of the stuff I grew up with in movie form. So yeah. this is literally getting there. Like this is the closest right now is a Scott Weiland. Cause I'm, I like some simple pilots. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was, a, 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 you know, obviously growing up, you know, I was born in 92. So I grew up hearing their songs on the radio all the time. They were, they were big and um, yeah, it's, it's finally happening. I'm getting a music biopic that I might, I so close to the some of the stuff I listen to, which means eventually some of those other guys will start getting them too. You'll get your Slipknot movie someday, I promise. Someday, hopefully for the day I die. That <laughs> and Rob Zombie. Just give me those. Rob Zombie should make his own fucking movie, and that would be crazy. Spielberg can do it. Why can't Rob Zombie? Yeah, right. <laughs> I would I would have said Manson, but that has been tarnished. Someone's going to make that movie still. It's just not going to be about his music. No, 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 no. Oh, or if it is, it's going to have... Not the happiest of ending compared to most biopics. No, it will not. Um, this was interesting. You won't care about this, but I, I was fascinated. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences have changed the rules regarding the best original score qualifications this year. Before, a film's score had to be at least 60% original music to be considered, and that percentage has now dropped to 35%, which seems ridiculously low for best original score uh also there will be a set 10 best picture nominees going forward uh not a fan of that i liked when it was five it felt a lot more inclusive now it's like fucking participation trophy but 
35%. Like, why even bother writing a score? Just I'll say it's best original score, right? Yeah. It's not just best score. It's best original score. It should be 100% original. There should be no... Why is that even being talked? I don't know. It's I hate, I hate the Academy Awards. I hate them. I hate them. I hate... Okay. <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> like, in 1972... Nino Rota for, uh, got his nomination for the Godfather score revoked because a good chunk of that score was not an original composition. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. Best, original, best original score. Yeah, best original score. It should be an original piece. Yeah. And now, I guess it doesn't matter, which is really fucking stupid, I think. Yeah, it's almost like we're saying, you know what, all you composers of Hollywood, fuck off. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, I'm I'm interested to see the fallout of this. Uh, the Oscars keep kind of almost devolving into I, trying to please yeah, everybody. Yeah, and I thought they did ten nominations at one point for Best Picture. Realized it was too much and went back down to five. I thought that happened already. Yeah, there was so a time when it was like in? there was a time back in the early days of the Oscars when it was like twenty films. Like, there's a couple. Like 1942, for instance, I think has like 15 nominations or nominees. It's fucking crazy. So yeah, I think we're slowly going back to that, and I don't like that. Five is what it should be. Five is these are the greatest this year had to offer for film. Yeah, well, and to me, like, okay, and again, let me preface with saying, Austin, I know you're listening to this. I still highly enjoyed the Toy Story episode with you <laughs> and Connor. Hey, we like this. if you listen to the Oscar Sunday podcast, we spend a good chunk of that show shitting on the Oscars. I do claiming that they make terrible decisions constantly. Yeah, I'll say I do. Whenever you guys pick a movie, I've seen I do. Uh, uh, but all this said, that's out of the way. It the reason I, it makes me mad with like this ten nominations and all that shit is because I know how the Oscars are going to work. Five of those are going to count. The actual picks that they want. The other five is going to be them going, look, see, we're being diverse. See, we're, we're hip with the young crowd. See, we're doing this. Yeah. If, you know, God bless, you know, when an actor dies at some point in the year, oh, see, look, we're nominating their movie posthumously. Look at that. Like, that's what it's going to be. That's what those five, I feel like, are going to end up being. They're going to be just the ones that they can just say, like, look, we are hip and cool and diverse and blah, blah, blah. But really, we don't give a shit about these. We just give a shit about the actual five we want. I, I lost all respect for the Academy Voting Committee when I found out they don't even watch the whole film. They watch a 15-minute clip package. So, fuck them. <laughs> don't they literally just paid to watch movies? Like, that's their job. Yeah, and they don't even watch the whole damn movie. We put in far more legwork for the Oscars than they fucking do. I watched seven <laughs> movies for on my own money. Okay, three of them on my own money. You know what? All the Romeo makes monthly subscriptions. There we go. Well, like this past Oscars, you know, Austin and I to prep for the Academy like episode we did watched all of the movies that were up for best picture because that's what you should do. And we weren't even voting on shit like that's Why is that crazy? It's not. And it's it happens once a year. So they could literally devote a month of their life to just watching these movies. Well, Taking I mean, breaks, obviously, given time to really think about it. I know you gotta, if you watch to me and we're kind of just to fucking your mind melts based off our James Bond marathon. Hmm. <laughs> well, that was, you know, 25 films over the course of like a week and a half. 
the Oscars has the entire fucking movie season to watch these films. Yeah. Like, that's not crazy. <laughs> that's very yeah. doable. I know because I do it every fucking year. <laughs> so they're literally, again, they're paid to watch these movies. They're getting, not even paid. They're paid to get sent screeners. So they don't have to go, they can go home. They well, go the, home. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they don't go to the theater. They get to go to their coffee home, take their bathroom breaks, make a little drink for themselves. Like they can do whatever they want. Their dog needs to go take a shit. They can pause the goddamn movie. If anyone else has to sit in the seat and wait for it to end. They can pause and go let the dog go take a shit, come back in, resume movie. Yeah. These are the people who are dictating what art is to the movie community. And I don't I don't respect that. But what Oscar Sunday is all about is the films that were counted by the Academy. That's where we throw our attention. That's where we throw the love. So, you know, as always, respect the art. Fuck the artist, for the most part. And these guys are just, you know, a board member. Like, they're a, they're a member. Uh, what's it? Like, just, they're a board who don't actually put the work in. So I'd, I'll never understand the Academy. And I, oh, they, God knows we're trying. Yeah, they don't put the work in. And then, like, I read from some, like, when they nominated... Uh, get out that one year. I read from a lot of the younger board members that were on the team that year that apparently the older board members were bitching about the movie and that they had to watch that. Of course they were. They were like, oh, we don't want to have a I'm like, so it's like, dear God, they do any change outside of what they like. <laughs> well, I guess we'll, you know, the Oscars are always going to be in the movie news. You'll hear about them here. You'll hear about them on Oscar Sunday. You'll hear about them on Filmgasm. They're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and as we're getting closer to award season too. So, yeah, buckle up. Uh, and finally, and this is so weird, but I love this. Elizabeth Banks is directing a film based on the true story of a grizzly bear that stumbled onto a cache of cocaine in the woods. Eight all of it, and promptly died of an overdose. Uh, apparently, there was a short period there where you could have been hiking in the woods and stumbled onto a fully coked out grizzly bear, and that would have been the end for you. <laughs> and this actually happened. Uh, the film is titled Cocaine Bear, because why not? And it's done a star, Carrie Russell, Ray Liotta, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and Alden Ehrenreich. And I honestly cannot wait for this. I, I know this story. It's the fucking craziest story. This guy, this dr drug runner, was jumping out of a plane. He had too much uh, product. He had to drop it. The coke, like 40 pounds of coke, landed in the woods, and this bear just stumbled onto it and had himself a feast. It's insane. I can't wait for this movie. Cocaine bear. <laughs> I... I want to see this movie, but I've kind of like lost any hype and respect for uh, Elizabeth Banks as a director. I know after her rant she made about the the failure of um, Charlie's Angels, yeah, and not just owning up that she made a movie that no one wanted to see. Yeah, people just did not like. So I am going to have reservation because God bless this one bombs and she blames all men in the ward that they don't want to go see it. So I get where you're coming from, but here's my rebuttal. If you make a movie like Charlie's, Charlie's Angels, a movie that nobody wants to see, a movie that bombs, 
So naturally, you want to make something that everybody wants to see, something that's all-inclusive, something that is going to put you on the map. And what could be better than fucking Cocaine Bear? (laughs) Who's going to say no to that? Who's not going to want to see Cocaine Bear? (laughs) If the trailer grabs me, I'm not saying no to it. I'm just trepidatious, so I see footage. Not after how she acted. It's like, all right. Well, I'm hoping this is played as like a creature feature action thriller where like a team of commandos are brought in to like hunt down the Coke bear or something like that. I, I, think, I, we, I think we missed an opportunity to have Nicolas Cage in this movie. <laughs> it's early yet, but yeah, he does seem like born for a role like this. Maybe he'll play the bear. <laughs> Or he gets his con air hair back. It's a nice long and flowing. It's not even cage in a, like a real bear costume. It's cage in like a bear, like a hat that has like bear ears. And then he's just Nicolas Cage on fucking Coke. <laughs> I would, I would, I pay extra to see that movie. I would say, look, after seeing Mandy and that whole scene when he goes on acid, <laughs> yeah. loses his mind. Like I've learned that I really want to see more mo- movies for cage trips on trucks because it's glorious to watch yeah imagine cage on like 40 pounds of coke just thinks he's a fucking bear and just attacking commandos in the woods or whatever the hell this movie's gonna be about (laughs) i'm so excited for cocaine bear when i read they were making this into a movie i was i got giddy i'm like oh my god i looked into it like this is gonna be fun i can't wait for cocaine bear I will get giddy if the trailer sells me. Had she kept her mouth shut on the Charlie's Angels thing, I would probably be more excited. But that really, like, I don't like that you can't admit no one wants to see your movie. And you just immediately blame people. Like, man, well, it's because men don't want to see it. I'm like, no, there's plenty of successful films led by females. Yeah. She seemed to forgot that, like, no women went and bought a ticket either. Like, nobody wanted to see this movie. It's not yeah, just like, men. No, it wasn't just men. Women didn't see it. And you forget that the last Halloween movie, three generations of female uh, family members in that movie, you know, the Schrode family. Yeah. That was well, one of the most successful Halloween film. It made $250 million. So, yes. Yeah. People don't mind seeing a female-fronted fucking movie. Well, just look at the first Charlie's Angels. I mean, that's a fun, enjoyable movie I go back to constantly. I and really like it. It was a that. huge hit. It got a sequel. Yeah. So, it's not... People don't hate female-led movies. They just hated yours. <laughs> yeah, so don't fuck up Coke Bear. Seriously, I, I want this. I need this. Yeah, don't. No, like, look, the premise, the premise, I want it. I want to see this ridiculous movie. I just hope I will wait for the trailer and then cast judgment. I have already 100% like gotten myself on board with Cocaine Bear, if that's not clear. like I don't need a trailer. I this movie could come out right now. I will I will go see a midnight screening. I don't give a shit. I want Coke Bear. This is all I'm gonna be thinking about for a few years. This screams like a Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> it's it sounds like a Kevin Smith movie more than anything. Like I remember he was trying to make Moose Jaws, and this feels very much in the vein of Moose Jaws. Yeah, yeah, that didn't happen because his last one he that was supposed to lead into it didn't do too great. Oh. Yoga hosers. Yeah, there it is. That's the name of it. With the Bratzy? Yeah. yeah. I I didn't know there was enough drugs on the planet to come up with that horseshit. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Nazi sausage. That's 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 a real thing in, in culture now. 
Oh boy. Well, that'll fit snugly on our uh our new thing that we'll be announcing in a couple months. Oh yes. Oh god damn it. That would explain <laughs> a lot of the type of films I'm going to be watching for that. I'm gonna do the whole damn thing in like a Minnesota Canadian accent. I'm gonna have costumes. I'm just gonna make costumes that only benefit us and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Coke Bear. Can't wait. Uh, that is all for last week in film. One last thing before we move on. I, I hope that in Cocaine Bear, there's a line kind of like in Godzilla versus Kong where somebody's just like, oh my God, is that bear on meth? And somebody takes off their sunglasses and oh no, that's Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Something like that. I want them to, to not take it seriously in the slightest. Right before they fight Cocaine Bear, you got the dude from Godzilla. Let them fight. Oh, yeah. Coke Bear versus, like, you know, Meth Tiger or something like that. Like, I want a franchise of just drugged out predators. (laughs) Oh, who knows where this could lead. (laughs) So many places. Crack Donkey versus Coke Bear. Anyway. Let's uh let's get into our self-imposed movie marathon. Starting with the first one that came out, uh, America the Motion Picture. Seems appropriate considering we're recording this on the 4th of July. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> what the fuck was this? It, you know, I was actually really down for this like concept like just the kitchen sink approach to read making fun of our history. So I kind of get the point. It was like, in a way, they were going so out there with it to make poke fun and shed light on issues we're having today. Especially, like, I really came to the front when the end of the movie, everyone started fighting. So it was, like, clearly a way to kind of, like, poke fun at ourselves now. Yeah. Um, And I was actually really on board. Like, all the ridiculous stuff, like, Bandit Gone being a girl, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'm down. Okay. (laughs) You know, it was a joke. It was not meant to take itself seriously. So that part I was down for. Only it was a funnier though. Yeah, I, I I didn't like that. It was a satire, part partly like, like you said, all the issues and stuff that like it, it tried to tackle. It only really brought them up in the pat in like the last five minutes, and I just it wasn't that funny. Mm-hmm. It was really stupid. Um, I'm not gonna lie, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge history buff, and it really bothered me seeing like. George Washington and Abraham Lincoln hang out like Abraham Lincoln was part of the fucking revolution. That really bugged me. It shouldn't have because it's a stupid movie, but it really got under my skin more than the werewolf, more than the fucking, you know, steeping people in tea to turn them British. All that shit didn't bother me. But Lincoln and Washington hanging out that really got me. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have the issue because, again, it was just meant to be funny. It was all in good fun. I know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like I like like we're saying, man, if it had just been like funnier because yeah like there was little jokes here and there throughout the movie that were kind of catering like this is a satire about america as it is now yeah but because the jokes were just like that that new standard i think uh the lord and miller were attached to this i believe and they're known for that rapid fire just boom 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 joking mm-hmm. usually it works everything else i've seen there's it makes me laugh like crazy this one though most of the jokes just didn't land enough for me that it yeah. was like sitting through a bunch of those and then finally hand one that made me go, ah, ha, ha, before we finally move to the next one. And also, why is the bad guy King James? 
it it's King fucking George. Like, why change that little thing? That was just to piss off the history nerds like myself. It I guarantee you that's why that was there. And it worked. It really worked because it did not bother me at all. <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, yeah, I, I, I bit on the, I chomped on the bait for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Uh, I did, you know, I did get a good chuckle out of the, uh, the Sam Adams character. Like, he had a, a lot of funny lines to me. Yeah. Especially well, like when he kept making like the race jokes. I was like, oh my fucking God. I thought it was hilarious that they they like they took on a pub called Vietnam. And then like they're all talking about how they lost that battle and Sam Adams like, what are you fucking talking about? We won Vietnam. <laughs> that was that was cute. A little on the nose, but it made me laugh. Yeah, like and like like I said, like a lot, like for the most part, the jokes that did land landed really well. Like yeah, it, you got the point. I was like, okay, this is like, yeah, like the Vietnam thing was funny. Like, you don't even see what happens in the thing again, kind of referencing like how we really didn't see that war. It was televised to us. Yeah, but we really don't know what's going on in the way we treat people afterwards. Um, so yeah, it a lot of the jokes landed, but still, there's a lot of times where I was kind of sitting there like, I thought it was know? cool that Killer Mike from Run the Jewels was blacksmith and i love that they just he was a smith and he was black so they just called him a, like he's a blacksmith <laughs> that was so stupid yeah i do and this is i don't i think it's funny between this movie uh because you know the person that played washington yeah washington's wife was a uh, voice by judy greer yeah i mean this and archer it's always like so weird to me to see drew Greer and stuff where she's like a mom type or like she's very like a good person well man my eyes into the dark episode i watched where she just get a little freaky in the movie and um but then you watch these shows and she's very sexual i'm like what is it like you see her in this and then she's like in a recording studio moaning <laughs> for the movie uh, I thought it was funny how, like, in that passing line, I'm I'm pretty sure I heard this when George and Martha have a kid, and the kid's name is Denzel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just what the fuck? Like, it felt like you know. I think the way I described it was like a Florida State frat boy ODs on coke while he's studying for his history final, and this is what's going through his head as he's ODing. <laughs> Just all of American history happening at the same time. It was the weirdest movie I've seen in years, and I just I wish it had been funnier. Like, yeah, I like that America fuck yeah song from Team America World Police turned into a movie. Yeah, like so I was really when I saw it, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm down with this. If you're going for comedy, I say yeah, throw in the kitchen sink and just see what happens, you know. And they did. It just it could have been a funnier movie. Yeah. Had it been, it probably hands on be one of my more favorite anime comedies I've seen. Yeah, like, I agree. It just barely missed the mark for me. <laughs> yeah, I give it a six. Same. Yeah, damn shame. Uh, I wish they'd marketed that longer. Like we got a trailer for that like three days before it came out. Yeah, Netflix. I, some movies they market out the ass. Like there's one we're gonna talk about. That they were marketing for a good month or two. But that was because it's like a big three-week event. They were like, hey, get ready. It's coming. Get ready. This one they went in three days. Watch it. 
yeah, I, I don't understand that. I, I get that it's the 4th of July, but a little time would have been nice. Cause I was like, I had to adjust like, when am I going to watch this movie? Like, why do I want to watch this movie? Like I had to kind of figure out like, how does this fit into what I was going to do this weekend? <laughs> I just watched it when it came out. I was like, I'll just watch it when it comes out. So then I yeah. can figure out my weekend with the other seven, six films we had to watch. I wish that, I just wish it was better. Uh, Till Death, uh, the movie I didn't even know about until you had brought it up and we threw it on the schedule. I knew nothing about this. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was, thought it was okay. Uh, I, I didn't expect much, admittedly. Um, but what we got, I felt was kind of half-baked. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, I personally really like this one. I kind of went in not because I mean, look, admittedly, like Fox has kind of had a rough career as of late. Like she's kind of one of those that she spoke out against Michael Bay, saying that essentially he is what we think he is—a horrendous human being and director. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, he still gets work, and she got like mocked, ridiculed, and shunned by Hollywood. Yeah, those were the days before the Me Too movement. Yeah, and so you know, like when I saw that this was getting, like the advertisement this, and it was kind of getting pushed as like her really trying to step back and regain her career. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked this movie a lot, actually. I thought it was like, it stayed very simple. It did not try to go too hard. I like how there, there really was no filler. Like the people that pop up relate to what we saw in the beginning of the movie. It wasn't some, let's just show what, what happened to her. And then this random person reignites her fucking thing. It was like, no, this is a person from her past. Blah, blah blah and like everything it was a simple movie i thought it was actually like real tense in a lot of parts when she's trying to evade them like the scene when she's like getting out of the basement and they're both converging on her i was legit like on the edge of my seat like holy shit how's she gonna get out of this and you know she figures it out yeah. um i thought fox was actually excellent i really did i thought she did a good job of showing someone who was stuck in a very controlling marriage in the beginning very much not happy in the marriage she was in and then she really rose up as the film progressed into like this kick-ass heroine. All right, before we before I get into it, I, we probably should explain what this movie's about. I don't think a lot of people have seen this. Um, so, Till Death, uh, Megan Fox plays a woman who is trapped in a loveless, kind of hateful marriage, uh, is sleeping with her husband's partner at a law firm, and he, on their anniversary, gives her a surprise retreat to a cabin in the woods she wakes up handcuffed to him and uh well i guess it's not a spoiler it's on the fucking poster uh he blows his brains out right in front of her and forces her to be chained to his lifeless corpse and you find out that he has established this very elaborate plan to get back at his wife and his partner he knew the whole time and he's gonna fuck them up beyond the from beyond the grave um not a bad premise uh Reminded me a little too much of Gerald's game. Uh, and ultimately, I'm I'm against you on Megan Fox. I think Megan Fox is a terrible actress. I didn't buy her performance once in this movie. I've always kind of never really understood why she kept getting like high profile work. I've I respect her, you know, decision to speak out against Michael Bay, and I hope she can get work and like, I don't want that to impede her career. I just think she's not very good at it. See, I thought she was real good in this. That's just a great job. 
I didn't know. Also, like she doesn't do anything with her eyes. Like she never like emotes. She just yells. Like I don't, I don't see anything there. Like I, I'm, I'm very aware that she's reading a script. Like I, I compared it to like, you know, Gerald's game, Carla Gugino in Gerald's game. I, I believe that performance. Like she brought every bit of her being into I'm trapped and I have to get out of this. And I didn't buy that from Megan Fox. I, I bought it, but that's I don't I can see in the beginning where you're coming from where she's very lifeless, but again they establish that this marriage is not good, that it is no love. The husband's clearly a control freak. Yeah. Very controlling. I mean, those whole thing about like when she comes in that dress, which any normal human, it's Megan Fox, she looks great. Especially in that dress. She looks fantastic, but he's like, Oh, it's not the red one. I'm like, Yeah. That little bit, and then, you know, she's saying she doesn't want dessert, and he's like, we'll take two. Like, just, he was a psycho. Very, obviously, he was a psycho. And yeah. I understand, you know, I got the whole, like, I'm not in love with this guy. I'm going through the motions vibe from her. But then once he blew his brains out and she's chained to his corpse, nothing changed in her eyes, in her face. She was still just, like, dead-faced going through it. And I just, I was hoping for a bit of a moment of, like, reflection and realization and it never really happened. And even in the end, like the two guys, I feel like totally could have handled that better. I, yeah, I don't know. I just. So yeah, I liked how they just kept it like simplistic and they just utilized people that, well, at least the one guy, it was clear that their guy was just a buddy of his. He got in on the plan. Yeah. But the one guy that was from a, a past event with her involved. And again, really kind of showing how devious her husband got there. And thought everything out, especially to the fucking necklace. I, mm. I really like how they did that, and I I felt like she did good as it progressed, and as she was like really regaining herself throughout the movie. I felt that she that was like what she was she was slowly regaining herself throughout the movie, and I don't blame her for not really having a moment of recollection because once she was handcuffed, she's doing what any person would do. How the fuck did I get out of this? And then by the time she's trying to figure that out, that was now a new wrinkle. Because now you got these fucking guys coming in who she recognizes one of them, obviously, to fuck shit up. I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree because I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. I just I've never liked her as an actress. I've never seen anything that's really kind of put me on her side as a performer. This didn't do it. Um, I felt the husband's plan. He's going to just blow his brains out. And hope for the best. That's that's an odd plan. I was hoping for kind of a saw reveal of like, oh no, he faked it. But then I was like, there's no fucking way you could fake all this. But I think it just shows how much he underestimated her. She thought, oh, okay, I'll do this, then they'll find her, get the money, buy, kill her to you know take care of business, and then be done with it. He didn't probably take into account that she was going to figure out how to get how to get out of that situation. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just, nah, not, I'm not, it didn't wow me. I mean, I'll throw it in the book. You know, this will come up on Filmgasm, I'm sure, at some point. But uh, right now, I'm just, yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a seven, and that's, that's generous. We gave an eight. Oh, I'm swatting away a little tiny moth. That is why Caleb just looked at me funny. So what are you doing? I'm not practicing kung fu. I'm 
swatted away a little bug. <laughs> I'm over here dealing with fireworks that haven't stopped for the past two hours. <laughs> ah. So yeah, till death. Not I I I don't care for it. Um, if you want to watch it, you can rent it on uh, Vudu or Prime Video for about seven bucks. So yeah, it's your money. Comes recommended for me. I gave it an eight. Uh, moving right on into disagreement films. Uh, Fear Street Part One, 1994. <laughs> I knew I wasn't gonna like this. I knew it. I'm starting to notice something about myself. I, I might not be the biggest fan of slasher films. Yeah, you went and you really ripped this apart. And this was one of the most fun fucking horror films I've seen this year. It was. It was. It, it felt exactly like scary stories to tell in the dark. It felt like a very similar story to that, in, to yeah. me anyway. Yeah. Not feel like that. But again, I'm not comparing movies because both are based off a book. Well, I ignored the books entirely because I haven't read either one. I'm taking the movies as separate entities, and th- and I think that scary I have, stories I have got ripped off. Read here. Both books. Cool. So, <laughs> as a fan of the book, this felt like the Fair Street books, but very like the grown up version. Like I really liked how they made it. Basically, like it's still an Arl Stein work. It takes place in, on Fair Street. In Shady Side, you got Sunnyvale, the rivals, all that's still there, all that's being honored, but it is not meant because first it was meant for teens. Like that was like Stein's teen uh, book series, or as you know, Goosebumps was his kid one. And I like how with this, the, it's almost like they went, look, the people who probably read these books are obviously not teenagers anymore; they're older. So let's embrace that. Let's make a film for them. That's Sir Honor Stein. I thought they did, and that's what it felt like to me. And I thought they did a good job with that. It was nice for like a slasher movie. I did not get the stereotypical characters I usually get. Like it wasn't like the jock and the fucking slut. It wasn't that super stock type this time. They tried to vary it up. Like, yeah, there was a cheerleader, but then you also know that she's a valedictorian and sold trucks. So it was like a little bit more like effort in putting into like who these people are. And also, I love the fucking the 90s soundtrack. Again, we're getting to that era of like finally shit that I grew up with becoming nostalgic. So we're getting it more and more and I love it. So I, I could not help but love hearing the music on this movie. And um and also the kills. Dear God, that bread slicer thing made me fucking do a double take. I will give you I will give you major points with the bread slicer. That was so unnecessarily brutal for that character. Like, she did not need that. Was head first, Christ Almighty! I yeah. When I, I I'm not gonna lie, I had heard about this bread slicer thing leading up to this film all week, and every single review, everyone's like, "Dude, the bread slicer scene, the bread slicer!" Like, it was just like it's that's it's gonna go down in horror history because no one has stopped talking about it. Yeah. So the whole thing, I was like, "When's this coming up?" I want to say it's fucking bread slicer. The moment I saw the thing get turned on, I was like, "Oh, oh." And then he did it, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, but that's, like, the film's only good kill. I thought the axe kill was good when the kid's just standing there and the dude just fucking axes him in the head. No. I, I, that didn't, no. I didn't like that. I liked it. That was a good goddamn kill. <laughs> See, I don't have any loyalty to Fear Street. I didn't grow up with that book. I never read Fear Street. 
So I, I just see this as kind of a rehash and I've just, I don't, this is an unfortunate realization I have to come to, but I think I really just fucking hate slasher films. So I think it's slashers because I, it's not that my, I don't have, it's not the loyalty thing. It's just, it's hard for me to sit there and agree with you on rehash when this is based off of pre-existing material. True, so but also like it's barely more, based. Hmm? It's like, I read it was like very barely based on the books. I mean, come on. How many books or movies are barely based on the books? Not a lot. And they usually suck when that happens. Scary stories still in the dark was barely based on the books. They just utilize a lot of the characters. I haven't read the book. I was like, they just utilize a lot of the characters from the books. Well, the books um, are an assortment of short stories, so there's no narrative to follow there. Yeah, and but the thing is, like, yeah, it's barely based, but it still does what the Fear Street books do. It's still very much a Fair Street movie. Like I said, it takes place, because the books, like, the whole point of that series is that crazy, each new book is something new, crazy happening in that fucking town. Because just weird shit happens to that town, and that's what this movie was. So the movie, yeah, it didn't really base it off any of the stories, but it did use the, the plot line to get its own unique story within it. So that's why I say, like, it's hard for me to say rehash when it's based off some. If it was a, a brand new, not based on anything movie, hmm. I would understand your rehash comment completely. But because something already exists that it was based on, I don't know, it's hard for me to do that because they were using what was already put out there. Fair enough. I, like I said, you know, I've never read the book, so I didn't see this as something you know, nostalgic to get into. I saw this as I've seen all this done before. And I have a feeling with the second one, I'm going to feel the same way. Like, oh, summer camp, that's original. So I'm just, yeah, I think, you know, you take, you give me Halloween, give me Scream, everything else you can kind of, can kind of can go. You, can you just have fun with slashers? I can't. Clearly can I can't. I have tried. Slashers? I have tried. I don't, I don't like it. It's the same fucking movie every time with various like little changes. And I'm just, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't. I want, I'll keep Halloween. I like that. But, you know, Scream is good too. I like a couple Elm Street movies. Jason can go fuck himself. I just, I'm out. Let's calm down. You need, you need to do a second variance on Friday 13th. So just calm down. I don't want to do another one. I can't. I watched them That's, all. You can do a second viewing, especially because you're saying go fuck yourself to the film. That's the backbone. That inspired literally all the other slashers for the decade. Halloween may have like pushed that door open, but Jason fucking crashed it open. Jason is standing on Michael's shoulders. Michael is the foundation of this shit because that movie's actually good. And it was Friday the 13th. Not Friday the 13th is garbage. Nope. Those are good movies too. Not, you, you can have them, but I don't want them. <sighs> yeah. God, this this movie, is probably I, one. This is why we won't ever get famous because you're just like pissing off the horror fans. I'm not going to kiss anyone's ass and I'm not going to lie. I won't. I can't just, I'm not going to sit there and just claim that I love Friday the 13th so we can get some number boosts. I'd re- I would hate myself. <laughs> or you can just come around to the right side and enjoy that series for what it is. I don't. I, I don't like them. slasher film. They're not that. They're the same movie every so, time. I think yeah. that's the franchise. I think that's why I don't like slasher films. Hmm. This is actually quite freeing. Well, like you should like slasher films, sir. You need to embrace the slasher. Nah, I, I don't. I think I'm, you know, the more horror movies I watch, the more I tend to notice that a lot of things get repeated. 
And that's really been starting to bug me. Not a fan of Fear Street. I give it a six. Give it an eight as well. Cool. Can't wait to have this same this exact same conversation again next week. Yes, especially because if every time I get online, you're currently in the minority on your take on Fair Street. It is a massive hit in the horror community right now. I don't care. They can have it. I don't want it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sir. <laughs> I it's you know yeah I'm I am well aware of how much I'm pissing off a few people with, with this stance. I don't care. I really don't. I would much rather watch something that's, you know, original and creative instead of just, you know, the exact same slasher movie with a different coat of paint every few years. It's the kills. You had to watch it for the kills. That's what makes it exciting. This one, bread slicer. Great. Everything else was just basic shit. Yeah. The accident was cool too. And the stabbing. It's just stabbing. There's nothing creative about that. It's just stabbing. So cool. No. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I think the second one is going to piss me off even more. And I'm probably going to like it even more. There's hope for the third one because it looks like they're going to do like the witch's story. Uh, 1666, I think it was called. Uh, hopefully that works out. Hopefully it's not just a fucking, you know, Rip off of the witch, but we'll see. <laughs> rip off if it's based off a pre existing book series. You can't keep using that as your defense for this thing. <laughs> oh, I will. God damn it. I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't care for it. I'm not saying I hate horror films. Obviously, that's not true. I just it, kind of hate slasher films. If you love horror and the awesome side of horror, knows the slasher film subgenre, you will like Fear Street. Yeah. Or if you're like me and you tend to notice that they keep making the same movies, you're probably going to resent this film as much as I do. Not a hardcore horror buff. I am in some cases. <laughs> I'm a movie buff. I'm not a horror buff, I'm not a drama buff, I'm not a comedy buff. I'm a movie buff. I find shit in every genre. <laughs> and gems. It's nice. Oh, speaking of <sighs> unfortunate shit, no sudden move. Uh, had high hopes for this. I had really okay. high hopes. I think we both mostly agree on this. Our scores, which was one of our, mine was lower than yours, but I think we both pretty much agree on this. Yeah, the I gave it points for the performances. I thought everyone was great in this, but the the story is so unnecessarily complex and so full of betrayals and whodunits. The point where you just like after the third or fourth reveal, you don't fucking care anymore. It's really like Soderbergh is so good at heist movies, too. I don't know what happened here. Like, you know, the Oceans trilogy, Logan Lucky, great movies. Mm-hmm. And then there's this. And it's written by the guy who wrote Bill and Ted, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> so that might be some of it. <laughs> he might be biting off more than he can chew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I. I have a weird because like I know I literally just gave you shit about like the horror scene, but here I this I guess like the snobby pretentious film buffs come at me. For some reason, if you're like some critically acclaimed director, I, I don't know what it is. I, 
can't get into your fucking movies. And you had the gall to give me shit for slasher films where you, that makes even less sense. Yeah, no, but slashers are more fun. I can have fun with those. I, I can't can have, have fun, fun with a movie that does a fucking, I can't have fun with a movie that's like, you want to see fisheye lens when people move? Okay. Yeah. No, fuck that was, you on that. That was stupid. I'll, I'll give you big points on that. That was really yeah. stupid. And look, okay, going back to horror, I personally was a fan of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but I hated, I fucking hated when they did this dumb thing where they would do magic in the show and they would distort the side of the fucking screen. Yeah. And their explanation was like, well, so you know when matches going on. I was like, no, I'm not fucking dumb, asshole. I know what I'm watching. I know when match is going to fucking happen. You don't need to distort the fucking screen. It's a- goddamn aggravating. God, <laughs> four seasons of getting aggravated with that. Sorry. I, yeah, <laughs> um, I get you. So at least with slashers, they're fun. Yeah, like they are basic, simplistic fucking movies. Um, That's true. I, I don't know. I think it's because like. Look, okay, I think on my end, a lot of times with these directors, it's not that I hate them as a person or hate the movies, because they do usually have like one or two movies I do like quite a bit. I think it's just because a lot of times they prefer style a lot more over substance. Over substance. I don't know not if you all can... The time, not all the time, but... I don't know if you can lump in every notable director. Not every notable director, but... Like in the case of Sternberg, you know, he's been so openly against like Hollywood and traditional star filmmaking, blah, 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 very artistic type. So it's more like the really like artistic types. I will give Sternberg credit. He doesn't seem to have gone as far up his own ass as like someone like Nolan has. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's just, I don't know, there's always one about Sternberg movies. I just have not gotten into them. There's a weird like distance he does with his fucking movies. That I feel that it's hard for me to get into them. Like I watched Ocean's Eleven, I enjoyed it enough. I have not really been like enticed to go see the other movies. I have seen Eight, Ocean's Eight, the the spinoff. I don't think that was him though. It wasn't him. It was actually the one I enjoyed the most. Um, So there's just something with his style that I've never been able to get into. I don't know why. It's nothing against Sodenberg. And this movie, at first I thought. When I when I was doing my review, I was like, well, maybe it's me, right? Because I haven't really been able to get into this guy anyway. But then when I saw the reviews, I saw what you wrote, I was like, okay, maybe it's a little bit me, but also like I'm not the only one that thinks this is a weak film from him. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, but check out this cast, this wasted cast. Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, David Harbour, Brendan Fraser, Julia Fox, Ray Liotta, Amy Simons, Kieran Culkin, John Hamm, Noah Juke, Frankie Shaw, Bill Duke, and fucking Matt Damon. What happened? <laughs> this is a this should be a no-brainer, perfect, like you know, period gangster flick, but it's so just hard to follow. So I'll say this. I know what I just said about Sternberg. Yes, I agree. The cast did great. The cast themselves were fantastic. And it had me in the beginning when the it was getting set up, when they were at the house getting what they wanted. I was hooked. I was like, okay. And when it went wrong, I was like, because when he gave him the thing, the letter, knowing that that wasn't the real deal, mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, okay, okay, here we go. The moment they left the house was when it just went downhill. And, like, you know, John Hamm's character pops up, but then disappears throughout the fucking majority of the movie. Yeah, and he's he like a him. cop, but he works for the car people, but he... I. 
it's so weird. And like, yeah, people just disappear for long stretches of time. Ray Liotta has like a weird introduction where he seems okay and like loving with his wife and then beats the living shit out of her. Like, I was like, what the fuck is going on? That I, I did not like the way Ray Liotta's character was handled because the first half of the movie has them talking about this Frank Capelli like he's some kind of fucking boogeyman. And I was looking forward to like a really dark, evil character. But Ray Liotta's kind of a bumbling idiot in this movie. I mean, they force him into the trunk. You don't force, you know, Don Corleone into the fucking trunk. Like, that's yeah. who I was expecting. The way they built that up was, like, yeah. all let down. That's what I'm saying. Like, they build it up, and then, like, you see his opening scene, and he seems to get along, like, him and his wife. It's established that they have a pretty decent relationship, right? Him and wife, or whoever she was. I couldn't quite tell, because I was kind of in and out of the movie at that point. <laughs> and it's, like, established that, like, okay, they have a pretty good relationship for what he does for a living, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, like he, I guess he dropped the bomb that he slept. He's sleeping with her. And he, like, freaks out and then beats the shit out of her and then unsurprisingly gets shot and killed. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this characterization? Like, what? Well, all right. So I'm trying to figure this. All right. So Frank Capelli, is, he didn't hire Brendan Fraser. The, this, the Chicago outfit hired Brendan Fraser to steal the the info on the car. For I don't fucking know. It's so there's so many avenues to follow here. It's impossible. Even like the end when they go to Matt Damon, like there's a quick moment where Matt Damon starts yelling at them and getting angry about the whole money situation. But then they talk to him some more, and all of a sudden he's okay and he leaves and he's cool with them. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I was like, am I missing lines of dialogue? Like, what is happening? I wasn't following simple, like, seeing, like, people-to-people interaction. I was so fucking confused. <laughs> I, 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 I love seeing Brendan Fraser again. It's been a long time. Uh, he, he, looks, he looks rough. Um, I, I hope they're all is well. Uh, seeing him play kind of a psycho was cool, too. You don't, he hasn't done that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like you, it's great. I do hope he loses weight and... Or at least, you know, stays healthy because between, you know, Doom Patrol, which I really have liked him in, and you really only mostly get his voice in that he excels. Um, he was really good in this. Like seeing him as the bad guy was nice. And I thought he kind of got unceremoniously like taken out. Like it yeah. was the weirdest death. Like he made a strange face and noise and just fell over. Well, and then dead. Like the whole way they handled Don Cheadle's character of just like, what was his relationship with Bill Duke? Like, did they hate each other? But then he let him off. But then he said he was going to kill him. But he said he was going to kill him. And then, him go. and then, like, with that, that was weird. I thought, honestly, I thought the whole thing, like, she shot uh, Benicio Del Toro's character was weird. That made no like, sense, came out of nowhere. There was no establishment that she would do that. Like, it was like, they'd been secretly sleeping together before this was a thing. So it was established that they had a true like connection. They were into each other, and then all of a sudden she kills him for the money. But then it's like one briefcase taken from her. She's married to a mob boss. Like how she's not. She can't be hard up for money. Like this is. It's ah. I don't, this felt like a whole bunch of cliches just kind of crunched into a shitty diamond. Yeah, with weird fisheye lens during transitions. I can't get it expressed enough how much that annoyed the shit out of me. I get you. I don't understand that artistic choice. And this is like the third or fourth unannounced Matt Damon cameo I've seen in recent years. Like, why 
why does everyone think that people are going to flip the fuck out when they see Matt Damon? <laughs> he's he's cool. He's a good actor, but I'm not losing my shit in Interstellar or Deadpool 2 or Thor Ragnarok or uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot or fucking No Sudden Move. Well, okay. They kind of lose my shit in like Thor Ragnarok and... Uh, Deadpool 2 just because I did not think he'd do that type of movie. But well, I was more just like, oh, it's Matt Damon. I wasn't like, oh my fucking God, I didn't know he was in this. <laughs> like, no one has ever had that reaction. To oh, just Yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know why they keep keeping him in the dark. <laughs> maybe it's a, it's a, a choice on his end. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I, it's, it, that's got to be it. <laughs> He's like, the audience is going to be so stoked to see me. Don't put me in the credits. Just, just wait. Just wait. No, and it'd be one thing if he played like a really outlandish character, because then it'd be like, you know, like when he popped up on announced in a Euro trip to do Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Like when he did that, that was great. That's a great use of like not telling us he's in this. And then he plays this outlandish character. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't tell us he's in it. And then he plays a regular dude. Yeah. That has a really weird scene with John Hamm. I did not understand that scene either. Oh, where he's like, you know, I'd, I'd give you some, but, you know, the, the company. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, Take a bottle. Yeah, it makes a weird face at him, and I'm like... <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what John Hamm's whole role in this was. Like, just go with it. Make him a full cop. Make him, like, the guy who uncovers all of this, and everyone goes down, or no one goes down, or something. But there was no... I never understood exactly how high the stakes were or who was even behind the scenes of this whole thing. Like who was, who was doing this and why? I, and then at the end, he tried to like throw some, you know, real life auto facts about it. Like this was a fucking biopic. Yeah. And- which I was like, okay, this is just, why would you do this? This is dumb. This makes no sense for your movie. Yeah. This was weird. And it's getting pretty decent. It's got like an 86 or something on Rotten Tomatoes. And I disagree with that big time. This is literally like, this is, and this is not Soderbergh's fault. He just is making a movie. No, no, wait. A little bit. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the movie. Hold on. Just wait. I'm not talking about the movie. Okay. I'm about the reviews. I feel like Hollywood does this all the fucking time, especially critics that don't want to besmirch their fucking precious name. Oh, yeah. They will praise a movie that this direct this director who's been doing it for a while has a lot of praise already does regardless of the actual quality because sometimes i'm sitting there going did we watch the same fucking movie (laughs) like then this is a case that to me it was like the critics are only saying it because of the name attached and i'm sorry i i still need to watch logan loki i feel like that will probably be the movie that finally convinced like i would like from sordenberg so i've heard a lot of great things about it um, but as someone who hasn't been like a the biggest fan, I don't hate the guy. Glad he has a career. Um, I wasn't into this. I was thinking this might be the one because it looks really good. The trailer was like, this might be the movie that convinces me, might get me on board. Mm. Nope. See that idea you had. You talked about uh, critics just you know kind of sucking these directors off because they refuse to besmirch a notable name that's the whole fucking reason we started filmgasm is we got tired of that we got tired of just you know every director getting a pass just because of who they are like the movies matter the work matters and we wanted to spotlight that and here we are yeah 
telling One. everyone Soderbergh made a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it gets really fun when we say those, but then we do like, I do a hot take, like my hot takes on Tarantino's more recent films. Cause I know people are like, Oh my God, really? I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, well, I mean, in that sorry, case, I felt. in that case, you are wrong, but um, you can't be wrong. <laughs> you can, because, because you have one. <laughs> I I don't you know I I love Tarantino's work because the work is fucking gold. Like there's not I, as a human being he's kind of a, kind of a douche, but the films are so fucking good, and I that's what I care about. So like Soderbergh, I enjoyed Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen were okay. I enjoyed Logan Lucky. I don't have loyalty to Soderbergh as a person. I don't have a loyalty to anybody as a person. Well, I mean you know filmmakers wise, <laughs> like I have you know people i care about but when it comes to movie makers the movie matters more than the person's name every time you know and that's what i'm not like i know like i i know i'm on an island that's very few inhabited with tarantino's latest i'm not saying it wasn't a well-made film he clearly made that with love it just was something i didn't fully enjoy that is a shame God bless, I don't put it above a seven. Jesus. That move, I, I think you gave it an eight, actually. I don't think I did. I think I gave it a seven. Let me go ahead and confirm that shit real quick. Um, Are you sure I gave it a seven? Let's go to Austin's Hall of Tens. It's in there. Um, yep. Eight, July 29th, 2019. Well, that needs to change to seven. Oh, that's unfortunate. I'm considering bumping up to a ten. I I really enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That movie makes me laugh. I love seeing Rick Dalton fuck up some crazy hippies. It's it's a good, enjoyable comedy. And I think, did you just not think it was going to be a comedy? No, I know what Tarantino. He's going to do comedies. I know what Tarantino. He makes things that shouldn't be funny funny. I'm prepared to laugh in a Tarantino movie. So what happened? Like, I'm honestly curious. Like, what happened? I did not enjoy this one. But why? I was bored most of it. That's a, that's a shame. I'm he's, he's writing a book, like, based on, like, the, the novelization that has, like, a lot more story to it. I'm, I'm buying that immediately. Not buying it. Like, this was... Well, that's unfortunate, because I, yeah, we all kind of love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I wish you had seen the light. That's a shame. Uh, well, well, I wish you would like slashers more. So, yeah, see, we all don't get what we want, do we? <laughs> I will budge when you budge. No, because I'm not going to budge just so you feel better. Well, That's not, not how reference works, buddy. I'm not budging either. Fine, fine. Um, that said, I think we can agree on this movie. I just yeah. gave it a lower score. Yeah, I give it a seven because I did really enjoy the performances. I'm glad I got to see Benicio Del Toro in a more meaty role. I feel like he's been doing a lot of supporting characters in the past few years, so it was nice to see him actually like kind of carry the movie. Mm. Uh, so yeah, him and Don oh. Cheadle I thought worked really well together, and I thought Brandon Fraser was an underused but really good bad guy. Yeah, I agree with you that I think the performances are what kept this movie going for me. Yeah. Um, besides that, every I, I can't really think of anything else that kept me going. So for me, it's a five. 
yeah, I straight up five because everything else, minus those performances, just was terrible to me. Fair enough. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I'm not going back to that one. Um, if you want to watch it, it is an HBO Max exclusive, so that's where you can see it. Uh, t- the Tomorrow War. This, to me, was the biggest surprise of the bunch. I thought this was going to suck something awful, but I was I enjoyed this. Uh, very interesting idea. Um, Chris Pratt plays a ex-soldier who is drafted into a war that takes place 50 years in the future because mankind is being fucked up by these weird friggin' aliens and they need to, they go back in time for reinforcements and a bunch of civilians are barely fucking trained and sent <laughs> to fight aliens in the future. I, I was on board. I was, I, th- I liked the second half better uh, when they went to the Arctic. I thought that was like really smart and really cool. Uh, I have a lot of issues with the future government and how badly they fucked up everything. I mean, well, anyway, we'll get to it. What did you think of the tomorrow war? <laughs> All right. So I was about to go on right there. Uh, no, I, I like you. This was probably my least excited one. I was like, and just wanting to watch. I was like, the trailer made me think like, it's going to be another fucking generic sci-fi action here. Chris Pratt's going to do the same old, same old that I'm seeing a thousand times since Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So I, I booted, I had nothing better to do. I had like, because of some events that happened in where I live, I had a lot of free time on my Saturday night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me go ahead and finally watch this tomorrow. I'm almost there. I have like, I'm almost done with these movies. I booted it up and yeah, it drew me in. Um, Chris Pat Pratt, you know, I want to say he went completely outside of his warehouse, but he did try to not always do his stick, which I appreciated. Um, there was a scene in particular that actually did sell me, and it was when he came back and saw his daughter again. Like yeah. as a kid. And that I was like, okay, he can't okay, Chris Pratt can actually act outside of his fucking comfort zone box that that scene from what he was doing and the music and everything i sold me i really got sold that this is so weird for him after what he just had to witness so i was like he he got me on board i thought like there was a lot of cool the story itself was just it was like it was enough to be entertaining kind of like to me like for me like i said with till death it was just simple enough for like a pretty like the concept i was going for was simple enough to keep you entertained um i i do wish that the future stuff was a little bit longer because i thought the action scenes were really awesome i was actually really impressed with the action scenes like when they're having to get through the hospital and the aliens are coming after them they're getting in the street really intense scene when they're having to go get the queen was really cool and the the oh the fucking oil rig offshore fucking thing getting attacked was cool i just wanted a little bit more because i was so impressed with that stuff i did like the arctic Part. I thought that was a cool way to end it, especially when you found like, and then like, yeah, the whole scene with that kid in the volcano. The I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also do wish there had been more J.K. Simmons. Oh yeah. Yes, because he looked like he went all out for this. I mean, he had like a beard, looked like he was real jacked for it. I was like, it looked like he was ready. I remember a while back, like J.K. Simmons was seen like jacking up with a beard. 
And then I never saw the movie that was for. And then I'm thinking, like, was it for this? Did he prepare that early for the Tomorrow War? Have they been trying to make this movie for like six years? <laughs> Maybe it's Hollywood. <laughs> Who fucking knows? But yeah. um, yeah, him is he was my favorite part. J.K. Simmons is as uh, Sam Richardson calls him, conspiracy Santa. <laughs> that was great. Um, I like the whole overarching theme of second chances. Uh, I liked his relationship with Yvonne Strahovski. I thought their chemistry was really good. I doubted her because of uh, she played a really despicable kind of poorly written character in the last couple seasons of Dexter. And uh, so I always associated her with that, but she, this kind of pushed that away, which is nice. And um, again, Chris Pratt, I, there is an actor in there. He's just hidden under a schlubby, goofy clown. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he like shed it completely. He still had that whole scene with Sam Richardson, who I forgot is a fucking MVP because I'm sure that movie if it's coming up next that we got to talk about. You had a great weekend. Um, yeah, um, he's fucking great in this. But when they're tra- he's trying to load his gun, and you know Chris Pratt makes a joke like, "I guess it's not a long story." Like, I'm not saying he shed it completely, but he did not go all in on it for once. And there were scenes of him actually acting, like between him and J.K. Simmons. And like I said, that's when he comes back and to see his daughter again after the end of his week of, uh, you know, fighting. Like, he showed that, okay, it's it's in him. He just has to be – I feel like he has to be willing or to step outside or try to stop getting typecast to play the same type of role. Yeah, but that – you know, that shtick got him Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World. So it's paying the bills. I, I know. I just – I guess for me, like – I like actors that you see a lot of things from them. Yeah. And it, it was nice finally getting something different that he was, to me, so good at, which is funny because a review I read for this trash this I mean, they gave it like a three hour 10. It was getting trashed. They complained about him. Yeah. And again, I watched it and I went, did we watch the same movie? Because this wasn't that bad. Like, I have seen far worse fucking sci fi action films. I know. That's why I was like, I don't want to watch this. It's two hours and 20 minutes long. And it looked so generic. It looked so pointless. But something about this movie really draws you in. I think it's because it's the the characters. Like, everything around the characters feels like it's kind of been done, but the characters themselves are so well-written. And they bring you in. Uh, And the aliens are actually pretty damn scary. I would say, yeah, I would say the characters and the, to me, the action scenes were very well shot. Yeah. Dude, the scene where they actually go into the future and they fucking fall out of the portal like 600 feet in the fucking air. Yeah, and you're seeing people hit buildings and dying. I'm like, this is why people don't come back because half of them die when they go initially. And that is a perfect segue into my fucking biggest issue with this movie, and that's the government. Of, like, the future and the current government. Just, all right. So you have a war happening in the future against aliens most of the human population has been wiped out and your plan is to go back in time and get anybody who's died already in the future to be a soldier but you are not going to train them how to be soldiers you're just going to give them a gun and some tactical gear and say giddy up that i mean something (laughs) you know but it's not just america it's the fucking planet it's everybody and then the and then the time machine literally transports them into the fucking sky. 
Yeah, which, and I don't know why it did to them, because at the beginning of the movie, it's established that they just walk out. When they first send in the message, they just walk out like, we have an issue that you must solve. And, but no, now what, in like, like the three or whatever time it was later? No. We can't walk through it anymore, guys. We're just going to fucking drop your ass. And you just better hope you hit, like, soft ground or you're dead. Well, and also, like, they don't say anything about what's going on. Like, they just expect you to fight blindly. Like, when Chris Pratt's, like, you know, he gets drafted and you're trying to ask questions, they're all just like, put your hand in this thing. Uh, Don't run. Like, I'm kind of on the side of the protesters in this movie. Like, what? Why why is anybody fighting this war? Like, fuck it. You know, without getting too, like, and I'm going to watch what I say because it's my job. Uh... It's a fake war. You can say whatever you want. Well, and I got to be careful what I say about my actual job. Yeah. Um, but as someone who is in the military, like, a lot of this didn't surprise me. Just saying, like, <laughs> not a lot of direction is always given. Yeah, but if, the, if people are going to step out of a portal at the World Cup and say, the future's in peril and y'all need to fight and there's going to be a global fucking draft, I would like... A, a drop of I'm getting, information. I'm, I know, I'm, getting, I'm getting what you're saying. I'm just saying it didn't, I wasn't, it didn't bother me too much because I went, of course, like that makes sense. That's exactly what they do. They wouldn't tell you fucking straight. They'd be like, just do this. Come on, we gotta go. We gotta go. Get on out there. Get out there. I get it. Yeah, that makes, it makes sense. But then like, I honestly can't get over just teleporting them into the fucking sky. Like that was ridiculous. Oh, that's completely stupid. Well, that was like, why? I'm like, you guys are bitching that half your people you send there die. It's not because of the aliens. Honestly, the aliens that they fought that looked fairly manageable. Like, I don't know how the Earth got uh, overwhelmed. Yeah, I, I feel like those things couldn't take over Texas. I mean, you just aim for the throat, and that's it. They can't. Well, aliens can't take over Texas, but there is a movie. We'll be our main movie shows how Texas can fall. Apparently, oh fuck, yeah, that's gonna be wild. Yeah, <laughs> got a little too real <laughs> that movie. Um, Tomorrow War. I like the second half where the time machine is broken for some reason, and mm-hmm. uh, they figure out that the aliens actually landed here like thousands of years ago. Yeah, they were just underground. And oh, I like the idea. Yeah. I like the idea that the two pilots of the ship were like, they crashed here and these things are like a weapon of mass destruction. Like that was cool. And also totally stolen from Prometheus, but really neat. Nonetheless. Stolen, but done better. Cause I understood it. Also kind of stolen from the thing too. I'm, I'm really kind of, I think originality is dead. I just think we just got to take oh, what we can get. It's been dead. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I said, like the second half, I like the idea and like the whole idea, like, you know, you reconnect with his, with his dad to bring him out there and they go and like, let's go take care of this ourselves because obviously the government's like, no, fuck you, we're not doing it. And then that dickhead took credit on the news because politics. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I, by all means, keep that whole like Arctic part intact. I just because the, I was really in on like the action sequences, just extend. The future stuff a little bit more yeah fair enough like i was like really glued on those action sequences. i was like these are fucking well done like well shot fucking action sequences mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I I was impressed. Um, I gave it an eight. I was expecting to fully hate this movie, but here we are. It is a nice surprise. Yeah, I gave it a seven, and that was just because of like what I said. I wanted a little bit more with the future, more J.K. Simmons. But besides that, I I was really impressed. I would be more than happy to show someone this movie or watch it again. Yeah, I, I was impressed. It was my least anticipated. I walked out the most happy. I think a little J.K. Simmons goes a long way. And yeah. uh, I'd love a sequel, honestly. I'd, I'd like to see where this goes next. I'd like to, you know, maybe Earth was the target and those aliens launch another, you know, rocket or some shit. I don't know. Maybe they take over the, the present. I don't know. Maybe they do <laughs> you know, Terminator. There's no fate but what you make kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe. I'd like to see more of this world. I mean, no. Yeah. Uh, speaking of worlds, I'd like to see more of Werewolves Within. Uh, the first ever critically successful video game movie. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thought? <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Just Resident Evil, Assassin's Creed, Mortal Kombat, Tomb Raider. Fuck all y'all. This obscure werewolf movie did it. <laughs> Based off an obscure video game. I, From a second time director. 85%. And this movie was so entertaining oh yeah i fucking i felt like i personally really like scare me i know you gave it a, a seven i gave i didn't review it at the time but i would give it an eight um i gave this one a nine i really fell in love with this movie they care as you you know you were in blanco for a good chunk of your life as well uh-huh. um i grew up i grew up there as well so like seeing like these caricatures yeah stereotypes of small town people Put a big smile on my face and like I recognize so many of oh. these types of people. Yeah. Well, I remember I lived in Blanco for a while, but I was you know born and raised in the smallest of small towns, Cascade, Maryland. So I've always been in small towns. Oh. So I've seen okay. these people my whole life. Okay, my bad. So yeah, so yeah, seeing these like these territories played up to such a like a hilarious degree. Put a smile on my face. The cast was so committed and so game to what they were doing. Um, <laughs> there was to me, like, and this is very key when you're doing like a horror comedy, right? Yeah. The perfect balance of horror and comedy in this movie. Yeah. And uh, and above all, the one thing I really, really liked was the werewolf aspect. You don't see the werewolf. The movie even makes you think maybe there's not a werewolf. Maybe people just lost their fucking minds. <laughs> So like I I really enjoyed that and I did pers- I don't know about you I did not I was generally surprised when they revealed who it was I did so not was, see that one coming straight up I thought they were gonna go with the everyone was nuts angle and they were all just gonna kill each other uh, but I like that in the end there fucking was a werewolf and I I really like that character and then to find out like her entire personality was complete bullshit was so weird but also made a lot of sense. Yeah, like just it, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then yeah, again, when we mentioned Sam Richardson and Tomorrow War, I say he's the MVP because he he was a standout in that for the few scenes he was in, and he shines in this fucking movie. He had me dying laughing so many times. The whole like <laughs> angry speech he gives about how he's nice and he doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks about it, but he's still not cussing. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. I loved like uh, Wayne Duvall was hilarious. 
Yeah. When he's trying to uh, console that one lady and she's too far away from where he's sitting. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. You're a little far. Let me just. That's a reach. (laughs) It just gives up. (laughs) My God. The scene where they're um when they're trying to leave the mountain man's cabin and they're freaking out and he like reaches towards him and then just unlocks the door. (laughs) (laughs) My God. This was good. This was so good. I was really happy this was good. I wanted to like this and I'm glad I can. Yeah, I like I really like I've been saying it since Sonic. It has really felt like we have finally been kind of seeing the code's been cracked and I feel like this was if Sonic to me kind of started cracking the code this fully cracked it. This finally figured out how do you make a fucking video game movie just make a goddamn movie and honor the video game. From what I know, it's actually kind of faithful to the game. Like, this whole game is trying to figure out who is Werewolf. Yeah. That's pretty the much the plot of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I thought, you know, Milana Vintrobe, Vine however you say her name, I'm not sure. Um, for being known as pretty much like the AT&T girl, she was great. I was really impressed with her. Uh, the whole movie, like, she was my favorite part. She oh, was she, hilarious. She was hilarious. Uh, Giant Jackson, the the skinnier of the gay couple. Yeah, he was in American Horror Story uh, for a couple of seasons. He was great in this. Uh, his boyfriend is on What We Do in the Shadows, oh. the TV show. Yeah, and I it took me a while. I was like, I recognize this guy, and I looked. I was like, Holy shit! It's uh, the the familiar in What We Do in the Shadows. He he's fucking hilarious. Like they were cracking me up. Like. This was such a fucking phenomenal, funny, appropriate, scary at times movie. I, I was really happy with this movie. I loved at the beginning when we're introduced to all the characters and Cecily keeps giving uh, Sam Richardson like gossipy secrets about them. <laughs> like just these, this, this town's a fucking mess. Like just crazy shit. The like the methed out couple who like didn't quite know what was going on. <laughs> I like when, oh uh, God, what was that line? My brother was something and they just all started her. And? <laughs> okay. I always laugh at those kind of jokes. It's like when we were watching Victor Crowley, the guy's like, and what? What? <laughs> Use your words. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I, I love the joke of like someone does not finish what they say, and we're just like, just fucking finish. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I, I was, I really enjoyed Werewolves Within. As soon as it comes out, I'm gonna buy that one. I want that one in my collection. This is something I'm gonna watch a lot. Uh, I know I'm gonna notice a little shit in the background too. It's one of those movies where there's jokes around every corner, and you just don't notice them yet. Yeah, yeah, it. Oh. I also did laugh at that scene when they're like leaving the crazy lady's house. I know they're getting ready to leave and the truck runs over the dude and then she shoots and Sam Richardson and uh, the, the AT&T chick are just like standing there just alright let's go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> My god. I love the whole uh, pipeline thing and uh that guy turning out to be a fucking werewolf hunter. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, what? Okay, sure. I, I, yeah, that was it was a clever, funny movie. And at times, pretty scary. There's mm-hmm. some good horror scenes in that. 
Yeah, both like this movie and Scare Me, uh, Josh Rubin really has a knack for sound design. Like I noticed, I was like, this guy really kills sound design in his movies. Because like I said, you don't see the werewolf till like literally the end of the movie, but you hear it. Like it's those scenes of you hearing it and what's going on. And yeah, dude, that guy, he knows how to do like his sound design in his movies is fucking stellar. Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. Uh, I hope he has a like I want to see him get some like a big budget thing because he's he's definitely making some waves and I hope he gets like a successful movie going something that's going to get him noticed by the big wigs who can you know who can give us like uh I'd like to see him helm a, a familiar franchise uh I, offhand I can't really think of anything but some kind of horror comedy blend maybe a new Tremors movie or something well he'd probably be with an Ace of Tremors movie I think he's he's got something. He's he's a, yeah. he's a talented uh, writer director. He could actually probably make a good leprechaun movie for once. There we go. That's a good one. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to see him do a leprechaun movie. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Werewolves Within was fun and uh, would have been our pick of the of the week had it not been for the the biggin uh, the Forever Purge. Uh Oh, Whereas Within, eight for me, by the way. Yeah. And like I said, I gave this one a nine personally. I, I really fell in love with this movie. Understandable. The Forever Purge is the fifth film in the Purge franchise, which I marathoned earlier last week to prep for this episode because I had not seen any of the other films and I wanted context. So real quick, before we get into the fifth one, I want to give my brief thoughts on the first four. Uh the Purge, the worst one. <laughs> the first, the first movie is the worst one. It's yeah. just, well, it's too narrowed down. You don't see anything. You just hear about this epic night of lawlessness, but all you get is really a, your basic home invasion movie. Well, I think, I think I even told you that when you showed me that you were, you told me you were watching. I was like, first one's the worst, like because it's like I told, I, I said the same thing. I remember how excited I was when I heard about the concept for this movie. I was like, that's a really cool concept. And this was well before when this movie came out. This was before like the Trump administration and stuff like that. So at the time, it was a cool concept. Getting a little scary now, but yeah, super well, dedicated Republicans who don't give a shit about law, you know, law and order coming to power, and suddenly America's a dystopian wasteland. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when it came out, I was like, oh, cool concept for a horror movie, definitely. And then I watched it. I was real excited. And then I watched it. And I was like, it just takes place in this mansion. <sighs> yeah, I was turned on. I was like, I even tried watching it again. I watched it again, like, recently. It wasn't even to watch it for the fifth movie. I just happened to rewatch the fucking Purge movie one day. And I was watching it. And I was like, yep, nope, still, yep, still the worst one. I was like, dear God, why do they take place inside the fucking house the whole time? Especially with the cast. It had a good cast. Yeah. Big, big names. Um, I do like that each movie focuses on a different aspect of society. Like the first movie is the rich. The second movie is the poor. The third movie is the politicians. The fourth movie is the gangs. And the fifth movie is immigrants. Like, I do like how they did that. Uh, the second movie, The Purge Anarchy, my personal favorite. Uh, Frank Grillo is a fucking boss. That guy is one of my favorite actors working today. He brings this epic badassery to every film he does that i've seen 
And I loved him as this, you know, random sergeant who decides to, you know, have a crisis of conscience and save some lives on purge night. Like I, I loved anarchy. I love, we finally went, we, we went to a city. We got to see the grand scale of this thing. The whole bit where they go to the, the lady's apartment and her fucking sister goes ape shit and kills her. Like that was that came out of nowhere. Like we're finally safe, and then she goes ape. That was great. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed Anarchy. Yeah, same. That's that's when they to me they finally went. I guess they had the budget. They're like, all right, let's actually show what the purge is, and that's why I ended up liking it a lot. And uh, I actually didn't see it when it first came out because I just was like, I'm not falling for this again. <laughs> like, fuck you what you did to me the first time <laughs> and it was actually when election year was coming out so i was like oh dude election year. i was like i didn't see the second one i didn't like he's like dude you gotta watch it so he some he had a copy of the movie somehow i forget how and i watched it with a buddy of mine to, in time to go see election year and we were going all right yeah this one's i like this one it, <laughs> it, it gave me what i wanted this time and um frank grillo is awesome in it and I feel like, like, I know, like, because I might as well bring it up now because I know it's going to get, I'm going to get into it when we talk about the new one and really the fourth one. I, I know the p- political themes were already there. Um, I do feel like with the first three films, they were broad enough that I could enjoy the movies. Like, they were just broad enough that and they let the movie still be a fun, entertaining, almost exploitation type film that I could enjoy it enough. So, yeah, I, I really like this one a lot. I like it. I, uh, Anarchy is a fucking awesome one. Yeah. I would do want to point out all five of these films, negative tomato scores, because critics don't know how to have fun. Uh, the third film, The Purge Election Year, uh, also very good. We bring back Frank Grillo. He's now working security for a presidential candidate who plans to eradicate the purge if she's elected. So obviously the new founding fathers of America are like, fuck her. And try to have her killed in the purge. And uh, that one's also really good. That's a close second for me. Uh, very fun. Elizabeth Mitchell is an actress I've always liked. And uh, yeah, just cool seeing like, you know, the little guy kind of try to stop the purge. Yeah. It, was a, it was a fun movie. Yeah, I'm with you. I like this one a lot too. Again, the political things are so broad enough. Still just broad enough. Um. It's, it's again, I'm all with you. It's a close second. It's right behind Anarchy. Frank Grillo was awesome having him come back. I like how the new founding fathers are get, like being portrayed by actors and you're getting a face to them. Yeah. And they really do. You really feel the evil of them because of it. So when you actually are seeing them and seeing the people behind it. So that was a, that was a nice touch to actually include people that are the new founding fathers. Well, and the film toys with the idea that, you know, both sides have psychos. There's you could go extreme on either side, which I like. We need to be reminded of that sometimes mm. that there is a right and a wrong way to handle these situations. Um, I wish we'd gotten to see those fuckers decimated, the new founding fathers. I really wanted to see that in any of these movies, and we never fucking got it. Yeah, well, and we'll get more to in the fur approach. There's certain things with like the ending and kind of with the undo to an extent oh, yeah. with this one. Mm-hmm. That really did not sit well with me from the entirety of the movie, but I'll get into that reason why when we talk about Forever Purge. Yeah, me too. I know what you're talking about. Um, the first Purge, which I had low expectations for because of how much you didn't enjoy it, but I liked it a lot. Um, 
the idea of, you know, we got to test out this new thing, Staten Island. Sure. I was kind of hoping for an Impractical Jokers cameo, but that never happened. Uh, <laughs> just cue purging somebody. I would love that. <laughs> or better it, yet, it would be them more, purging each other. Oh, God. <laughs> Joe would just stay home. <laughs> I feel like Sal would go the craziest. I would go after Murr and so quick. And then Joe and Q would just stay at their at their respective houses. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, um, clearly huge fans here. The uh, the idea of you know blocking off the island and telling people like, hey, this is where the purge is happening. Twenty four or twelve hours, no no law. So do what you want. And at first, people were kind of like, are they serious about this? <laughs> like, we just do whatever we want. And the military's like, fuck it, they're not purging enough, so they send in soldiers to start massacring people which is exactly how that would go down when, and I mean, when we do get an actual purge, we won't get an actual purge. I doubt that's ever going to happen. Give me, give it 20 years that in our lifetime, we're going to see this happen. I, I think not gonna, we're not going to see a purge happen. I think we will. That I don't believe that. I think that's going to stay in movie land. Uh, I don't trust this country as much as you do clearly. Oh, you don't. I'm like, I know we do some super stuff, but I doubt purging is ever going to happen. Um, it's not that like, so like, I know like I've, I have, this is to me when the series like this and, and with the, the one we'll be talking about mostly started becoming more, it's, this is how I'd say it. The first movie is a six. So it's really hard for me to go back to that one. This one, a seven. There's things I like about it. There's things I don't like about it. I do like the idea that no one's actually purging because if they were, if they were to do this, I think that's what would happen. No one would actually do shit. Because they'd be like, this isn't real. You know what I mean? Like, no one would really do shit. Um, so they know if people were just, like, just having wilder parties than usual and fucking wherever they want because no one's going to do anything. That Yeah, I can fucking believe that happening. And then them having, that was a really cool concept of, like, okay, we got to send people in because they're not doing it. And we want this to be a thing. It's not a matter of if it's successful, it will be successful. We will get this. Um, that concept was cool for me. Uh, it was at this point, or I thought they were playing relatively broad with the political themes. This is when they started to kind of stop broadening it and really start to like narrow it and almost like hit, be on the nose with it. With this particular installment, was when it started, and yeah. also it was really hard for me to get behind the uh, the main character. Had they kind of shown more of him? not wanting to be in that life because he's if it, for those you haven't seen he's a he's a gang leader yeah um had they maybe shown he didn't want to be a part of that life he's a victim of today's society i could be behind him more but they didn't really do that they made it seem like he really enjoyed being a gang leader so it was hard for me to be like oh okay i should root for this guy and then he'd be the hero of the fucking block and it could just be me right it could just be me being a white male i i may not get something that's in that movie fully raised i admit that but it was just for me from like who i am watch me that's that those were the things that, that was hard for me to get into well you know i'm a whitish male and i i i got behind it because it was really kind of a lesser of two evil situation it was like this dude has you know is the guy we're going to root for because the fucking government is way way worse and there's also this psycho skeletor dude wandering the the block 
So you need, you know, you got to relate to somebody. And if this is the best we can do, kind of a Robin Hood, Pablo Escobar motherfucker, then, you know, I, you could do worse. Yeah. <laughs> I and, like the actor. I thought yeah. he did a good job. I like the character. I'm not saying that. Like I said, if they had just done something to show like he wasn't fully behind the life he lived, it's just literally got him in a good place. I would have been, I that would not even have been a problem. Like, well, he doesn't even like what he's doing. It's just a victim of the system. But he clearly really enjoyed being a gang leader and hurting people. I like the idea of the colored lenses that the people who were like signed up with the government to purge for money were like wearing. It was really creepy. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, overall, you know, I thought it was good. It's not the best one, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it's it's one I would go back to, but not like I would the second and third. Like as of right now, I'll say like the second and third I'll probably go back to the most. Yeah, I agree. Me too. Uh, and that takes us to the Forever Purge. Or like, did you ever see the show? I did actually. Yeah, I was the show. The show's okay. Um, I thought the second season. I remember actually, so the first season I wasn't too far with it because it was literally just watching a very extended fucking movie. They just kept cutting between the four different storylines. So I wasn't into the first season all that much, but then like I thought, okay, I'll watch the second season. So the second season takes place after. Like that was a big selling point. It was like this season, what happens after the purge? And I was like, don't that I'm interested in. Because I've always been like, I've always thought that like, why don't we get something like that shows what life happens after? Because there's repercussions for what you're doing. You don't want to admit it, but there's repercussions for the shit going down here between people. Yeah. And that the second season explores that and I really liked it actually. I was actually really down for it, but then they they pulled the plug after that season they said no more. So first season okay, second season I really enjoyed. I heard uh, Ethan Hawke had a cameo. Was that true? Wait. Uh, he I think he had it in the first season. I do not recall in the second. Neat. Well, yeah, there was a show. Uh The Forever Purge. It uh, was set to come out July 2020, but got postponed because of COVID. Um, I thought that was weird because it does feel like the film draws direct inspiration from the uh, insurrection that happened on January 6th. It does feel like a natural evolution of the Proud Boys kind of situation. But yeah. this was supposed to come out last year, which is odd. So it's like the, uh, the film, like all the other Burge films, just saw something fairly dark in this country that was bubbling. And uh, the film just called it before the actual history did. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. I know it, it's weird how that happened. And um, I, I mean, this is going to be my complaint again for this movie. I thought, again, the politics again, a little too on the nose, a little too, you know, straight narrow. Granted, I do understand in this case, a good chunk of that is because of the delay and shit that should not have happened in real life that mimics the movie fucking happen. Yeah. So I do on that degree understand. I still think they again they're they've stopped broadening it and they've been very like restrictive, I should say, on their politics. It's just like me personally, it's like I don't like too much. Um but all five of these films are political. The whole point of the purge is political. This has always been a political franchise. So I don't yeah. really see the problem. But, for me, I think for me with the first three, and it could, I don't know if it's the times or what, the first three, they, they did a nice balance. They were just like broad enough of like rich versus poor. Like you've seen that a thousand fucking times that I could go with it. And then by the fourth one, 
they were like very much saying, okay, this is what's going on. Let's directly inject into the movie. And then that's when I kind of like went still in, it's entertaining, but just not as entertained. It was a little bit more direct than I wanted personally. Yeah. I mean, films do, you know, reflect the time, especially political films like this. So it, I get that, that would happen. And it, it just, for me, it made sense that they would go in that direction. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying like, look, the movie can do what it wants. I'm saying like, for me personally, not always entertaining for me. Um, am I glad movies like this exist so that people get talking? Yeah, absolutely. It gets people talking, gets people to kind of really look at what's going on in the world and maybe do something about it. So I'm absolutely happy movies like this are coming out. I they deserve a place. Um, it is. I would say this one's. I actually comment on my review like this to me was the scariest one because of its plot and what's going on nowadays. Like it's it's almost like to me of all of all of them, I would say this is probably the actual like most terrifying one they've come out with. Well, I mentioned in my review that like if the insurrection hadn't been led by a bunch of dumb shits and actually had happened, this is what it would have looked like. Like you know, a national fucking you know purge of just people who are tired of being told they can't fuck up minorities. It's, it's creepy and scary. And I agree that this was, you know, a little terrifying. Uh, it's also the only one I saw in theaters, uh, which helped. <laughs> um, so the film is directed by Everardo Gout. Um, he's done a lot of TV, including episodes of Banshee, The Terror, Luke Cage, and Snowpiercer. Uh, like the previous four, James DeMonico wrote this one too. Uh, and the show, guy really likes being in this world. It's been making him money. Yeah. I, I highly doubt this is the last purge. They're saying it's the final film. Not a chance. I, I do. I, I don't know if you've read the review email. Do you already for it? I said, I pretty much said like final until they want to uh, reboot or find a new fresh re- revitalize to it. Return of the Purge or some shit. Yeah, like it's it's final for now. I doubt we'll be getting one anytime soon. <laughs> no. it, it'll come back. Second, James DeMonico's wallet gets a little light. We're getting a, a sixth Purge. Yeah. Uh, Josh Lucas stars as Dylan Tucker, son of a rich cattle rancher in Texas. Uh, Lucas has also appeared in such films as Session 9, Sweet Home Alabama, Glory Road, Hulk, Poseidon and 4V Ferrari. So he's had a pretty decent career, I would say. He's uh, currently doing, uh, he has a recurring role in Yellowstone. He plays uh, the young version of uh, Kevin Costner's character. Oh, right on. Yeah, when they do flashbacks. Cool. He's, um, I thought he was going to be the bad guy. The trailer made me think he was the the cowboy evil perjure guy. I don't know why. but it, uh, Yeah, I, I would mean cool. I think he would have done a fine job in that role, actually. Well, what I uh, thought, like, the movie was going the direction. I thought, like, on this purge, they were going to break in. They were going to kill his wife, his family, and then he was going to snap. And then that's what I thought was going to happen. But he ended up being the, one of the heroes. So Yeah, okay. I really like them in this. You know, I really, I like the storyline, especially, like, the part when he's having that talk with Juan. And, he's, and he makes kind of goes, I don't think I'm better or, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah than you at all he goes i i do he goes i don't hate your kind because i just don't think our kind should mix 
like it really like that one scene like i'm not saying it made him better but it really kind of gave you insight to who he is yeah yeah i'm not a racist but stick with your own that's yeah okay it was like okay but you know to see him kind of go from that to no i need these people if i if i want to survive i need these people i do kind of wish that our hero had it's weird to have one of your heroes be a straight up racist who won't admit it (laughs) i i didn't i didn't like that and i don't think he got a proper redemption i mean just him speaking spanish at the end is not enough well it's because he's speaking spanish that we all get taught in like high school <laughs> yeah, what did he I, say? I knew exactly. Yeah, I don't need. I was like, even watching the theater, I was like, yeah, you don't need subtitles because I know exactly what you're saying. I know these words. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. I just felt kind of tone deaf. Um, but you know, whatever, whatever. That's that's my mixed race blood talking. <laughs> uh, Ana de la Raguera plays Adela an illegal migrant who, along with her husband, helps the Tucker family escape the purge. She has appeared in such films as Army of the Dead, Nacho Libre, The Book of Life, and Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, Army of the Dead. I knew it wouldn't be too long till that motherfucker popped back into this show. <laughs> He's back. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, you know, I actually... Did not even know she was in those movies. I, I honestly look. I was watching. Her, I was like, I like this actress. She's attractive, badass. I like. I like what's being presented here with this character. So, admittedly, when I got home, I started you know on the Instagram and looking her up. And I was like, holy shit, she was in Army of the Dead. And I was like, and then I was like, wait, was she the one that got the unceremonious fucking twisting of the head when she pronounced professed her love to fucking Batista? <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no she's good i like her in this i like i really like her character in this a lot you know you make they make it seem at first she's not she's just gonna be in her like damsel in distress and she's one of the most badass people in this movie oh yeah if anybody's a damsel in distress it's the fucking rich white folks yeah. for well, a time pregnant one well she's pregnant she has an excuse yeah i was like that one actually turned to a badass so I liked her a lot, the sister. Yeah. Um, Tenak Huerta plays Juan, Adela's husband and the Tucker family's savior. He appeared in 11 episodes of Narcos Mexico, as well as the films Spectre, The 33, and Get the Gringo. Uh, mostly bit parts, but he was great in this. I, I liked that our hero is an illegal immigrant. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and was- one that uh, doesn't have a strong grasp of the English language either. Mm-mm. And who isn't afraid to say to the white guy, like, you don't like me, huh? <laughs> just, I like that. Exchange. He's brought it up, like, you, you really don't like me. And he's like, nah. And he's like, don't, what is it? Slice through the shit, he said. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> slice through the shit. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I like him. I think I like his wife a little bit more, yeah. but I really, he was cool too. I, li- I liked him a lot. Um, and it, you know, I do, I do like how this movie made our main characters illegal immigrants. Um, cause I know there's, that's been a big, such a hot fucking topic in recent years. Um, and how they present them is that like, it's not like they didn't want to be legal in this country or anything. They were escaping a bad situation. Yeah. Which is most of the time what is happening. That's like, nobody yeah. wants to come here and be a criminal. They have no choice. 
yeah, they were getting out of a bad situation and they were doing better for themselves. So it's not like they were collecting, you know, welfare or anything like that. They were, you know, she was working at a restaurant, looked like she had a very good position there. Yeah. And he had seemed to be minus, you know, the beef between him and Josh Lucas's character, a well-liked ranch hand on that ranch. So they were doing well for themselves. And his whole beef was just like he can like settle a horse down better than Josh Lucas can. So Lucas just starts this whole horse shit. God. <laughs> uh, um, Cassidy Freeman plays Cassidy Tucker, Dylan's pregnant wife. Uh, Freeman is known mostly for playing Clark Kent's enemy turned fierce ally, Tess Mercer, in the last few seasons of Smallville. Uh, she's since had prominent roles in TV shows like The Righteous Gemstones and Longmire but she will always be Tess Mercer to me because I watched all 10 seasons of Smallville twice. And uh, I don't plan on doing it again, <laughs> but um, she was an interesting character. She's introduced as like Lex Luthor's like secret sister. And then she finds out and she's like, I don't want to be a Luthor. I'm going to join the Justice League. And she becomes like Watchtower or some shit. But um, it, it was a weird show towards the end. It was, we weren't even in Smallville from like season seven on. We were in Metropolis, but they still called it fucking Smallville. Anyway, uh, a lot of issues with that show. I did not watch it. I'm watching the currently running Superman and Lois, and I'll just stick with that. Yep, give it time. They'll fuck that up too. They always do. Right? Like a lot of their shows. Is there any superhero show that had a decent run the whole time? The Boys. It's still going. <laughs> Touche. All right. I'll give you the boys. I, I, I have no doubt that's going to be just fine. <laughs> All right. Well done. Well done. Um, <laughs> her character is, you know, fairly generic. She's, you know, the pregnant wife. Yeah. I'll give her credit for not being like annoying. Usually in the, I'll give like, I'll give credit. There's, if you really pay attention to films, like there's been noticeable difference since we've been calling out Hollywood in writing characters especially like female characters right and minority characters and she doesn't cry and scream and bat and get annoying like they would in past films when they just that's all that that's all they did that's all they fucking did she that's holds her own yeah so. that's one thing i'll give the the cast uh there's no character who like feels like a you know busted leg everyone's just kind of you know pulling their own weight regardless of you know where they come from they realize in this world where all, all like everything's fallen the only thing that matters is survival so get with it yeah i like that she does have that really good scene with the bikes when she holds up the flag so they they, they get left alone yeah that was cool yeah Oof. um levin rambin plays harper tucker dylan's crazy awesome sister Rambin has appeared in such films as The Hunger Games, Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters, and The Dirt. And just from the beginning, I, she's just a badass. I love that. She's like, hey, don't fuck with these guys. They saved our lives. Like, just she gets it immediately. And I like that. And I, I wish her and that other um, Mexican dude had, had hooked up because they were. I was rooting for that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but nope, he got fucked up by the Proud Boys. Uh, very sad. Also, in that scene where the crazy leader dude calls his wife, his like girl mother, yeah, uh, total dig at former vice president Mike Pence because he did that shit. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, why is he calling her that? Yeah, that creepy old guy called his wife mother. 
and also would not be like refuse to be um, in a room with any other woman alone in case they tried to call him on some shit. Like the fact that you have to prepare for that, you are a handsy motherfucker. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Will Patton plays patriarch Caleb Tucker. Patton has appeared in such films as Armageddon, The Postman, The Mothman Prophecies, Halloween, and Minari. He's had an interesting couple of years. <laughs> Very cool. And he is also with Josh Lucas on Yellowstone. He is going to be a series regular on the upcoming season. Boom. Good for him. Good for him. His character is pretty despicable in that show, though. So, Well, his character seemed like a hair's breadth away from being despicable here, and I was expecting that, but then he's like, hey, all God's creatures are good people, and just... Yeah, so take his... Like, he's completely good in this in this movie. Like, his character... Like, he only had one episode last season, his introduction episode, and they announced he's going to be a series regular because of who he plays. I don't want to ruin it in case you watch the show. But yeah, there's like a scene where you're like, oh, this guy's fucking skeevy. Oh, ew. But, you know, I'm still waiting on season four to come out to find out where that goes. Uh, but yeah, now I like him in this. He gets kind of like honestly <laughs> taken out early, but I don't know. I like his death scene because he's like, I, I know I'm not making it out of this alive, so I'm going to just, I'm I not like letting his, this guy have the satisfaction. Yeah, I like his speech because his speech made sense. It was like, okay, yeah, you you know, I'm making money off your labor. You're absolutely right. But what do you think the people in charge are making money off of right fucking now? You purging, buddy. <laughs> well, and also, like, he's not being like unfair to these guys. Like, he's 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 a good boss. Yeah, he's literally a good boss. Like, he's a very fair ranch. He's he's all giving them purge pay, and that one guy. Turns out to be bad. Of course, makes a big stink about it. So there's always that one guy in every fucking group that can't find joy in anything. Yeah. And like, he's just giving us this so we, he can keep his hands. Like, well, yeah, no shit. He doesn't want to get new hope. But it's probably also because he cares about enough about you guys to give you that money to go fucking be safe somewhere. Yeah. It's, this whole universe is so fucking weird that everyone's just like, steps <laughs> that one day a year everyone goes batshit crazy and we're just like okay with that <laughs> insane i love in the what was it election year where like people would come in from other countries to like purge on vacation because they could kill legally here <laughs> that was a crazy concept that was awesome and then never got explored <laughs> they all got gunned down <laughs> yeah they never brought that back up for any of the movies well, the Forever Purge has an IMDb score of 6.0, current Rotten Tomatoes score of 46%. What a shock. So far, it's grossed $19.4 million on its $18 million budget. So it's already made its money back, which is great. Uh, hopefully, it keeps going because I wouldn't say no to a sixth purge. No, I uh, mean, yeah. it's an entertaining series. I don't want to say no to a sixth one. Yeah. I wonder where they could go with it. Like the purge goes global. I, I don't know. Oh, I'm kind of worried what they would do. Well, I'll, when I talk about a thing I don't like when gross, what they do to an ending mm-hmm. of a prior film is why I'm worried if they were to do a sixth one. Well, let's get into it. Let's discuss the forever purge. All uh, right. Yeah. So we're in this world <coughs> where somewhere along the line, uh, 
America didn't like this new administration. So President Elizabeth Mitchell, uh, all of her policies got reversed. The new founding fathers showed up again and the purge is reinstated. And all that happens in one throwaway line of dialogue during the opening narration. Yes. And this is one of my beefs and why this, it was hard for me to really accept this. I thought Electioner had a really good ending to me. It felt natural from the first one to what we were building towards. Yeah. Like, that ultimately this would go away finally. And the movies have always done a good job showing that regular people don't like the purge. Like the majority don't like it. They don't want it. It's yeah. just a minority of crazy fuckers. Yeah. And yet all of a sudden with this movie, the majority enjoyed the purge. They didn't want it to go away. And then it's back. And I just felt like with the overall plot that follows after this whole narrative, after the whole title sequence, right? Yeah. This idea of like, there is so much tension boiling under the surface and it just explodes so for people to just want to purge forever no. you could have kept the ending for the third one intact yeah and it just be a story or no the purge is still gone but secretly it's been a plain thing for people to just fucking go awol because they they can't live without it and i think that would have been a stronger film and shown maybe shed more light on our society as a whole i agree with you I, and even like the movie agrees with you because election year sets that up when she gets elected. They say like, but anti, you know, like, pro purge movements have broken out all across the country. They say that. So the fact that they didn't go with that is weird. Yeah, it really bugs me. And it's kind of like, you know, when we talked about, you know, F9, they're open retconning. It's like, stop. It's That's probably like how you get tired of rehashing. I'm starting to get tired of that. Like, stop acting like I'm a fucking idiot. When I go watch your movie, if I'm paying to see a fifth, sixth, whatever movie, you should have enough respect that you should know I've seen your other films. That's why I'm paying to see this one because I've watched the other ones and I'm wanting to see the new one. So go by the logic that you set up, the continuity that you set up and follow that. I did. I really did not like that throwaway line at all. It really pissed me off that especially because the NFFA were not a threat. They were literally just to get thrown back in to a movie that they weren't needed in. I really, yeah, this film would have worked so much better had they gone with that pro purging that was mentioned in the third one. And yeah, this group had amassed enough people because we live in a world that I would personally, yeah, I would, I would buy the idea of like enough people banding together across the country to have a forever purchase, just fucking do it one day. Because mm -hmm. we live in a world of, you know, fucking social. I mean, look what we're doing right now. We're zooming because we're in two different states to do this. It's like I can believe that happening. That that would have I would have made for a strong uh, to me a stronger movie had yeah they kept the intact purge is still not a thing, and then one day the plan gets enacted and the forever purge begins. I agree. I think that would have been stronger. However, I do find it highly ironic that you have you have so. You are so dedicated and determined to have continuity intact, and yet you are you have no issues whatsoever with Friday the Thirteenth. Because this is the difference; those movies just fucking go with it. Like for Halloween, just says, "Look, just go with this." Like we know what we're doing; just go with it. They clearly don't know what they're doing. Is the problem? <laughs> it really depends. It depends on the like. I think in the case of like open like retconning like those films don't even attempt like 
further team design at any point attempt to go back and then try to explain over shit we are and they're just like uh yeah this is the thing now and i'm like oh, okay fuck it jason's Whatever. a worm and we just have to accept it now right if they just do it and you can okay with like f9 with what they did with like openly like linking back to prior film saying forget what you just saw and then this one having that throw throwaway line be like eh, well you know that ending you thought was so good fuck it get rid of it we have to do a fifth movie and I think in this one, it bugs me more because, again, it literally would have worked had you kept the ending intact. Like, the movie would have still worked. There was no reason to take away the ending of the third film. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, I like that we got a Purge film in Texas. That made me feel nice. Uh, get to see what a small town, how uh, that would handle the Purge. Uh, and then, honestly, like when, when the Purge ends and we're all kind of like, oh, okay, see you next year. And then these fuckers just show up and they're like, it's still on, baby, and start fucking up the townsfolk. Like, that, that was creepy. And then the Ooh. cops arrest the, the minorities. Yeah. It's, this is small town Texas. So, yeah, of course you want to arrest them, not listen to them. Not the fuckers in purge costumes who are lying dead there. Like, uh, they could yeah. do it. Uh, I did like the build up, like the. When you know they're they're attacking them, and then you know the other group gets attacked, and then you're just seeing the chaos happen in the town, like seeing the chaos happen, and then it gets like bigger and bigger, and they're talking about how it's happening all over the U.S. Yeah, I thought those were some really like the scenes of seeing it all go down were extremely well done. Well, I think the scenes where they say like you know the purgers have overwhelmed the U.S. military and they're pulling out of uh, El Paso. In my mind, I'm thinking no. But, you know, I'll, I'll take it for a movie. Well, and see, I can believe that just because I would be terrified of knowing how it would be. I would be terrified of how this would go down in real life, being in the military. Like, because they probably, they probably make all the military people go to base, lock down the base, keep, keep, the, keep the government issued bodies safe. And eventually someone's going to fucking snap in that base and do something. Yeah, probably. But just the fact that like a bunch of looters, even with you know guns and shit, could overwhelm the fucking army. I, just, be, I don't, I don't buy that. You'd be surprised. But I'd also highly doubt it. You'd have to have a pretty sizable army. To, unless, of course, again, it was shown to be a pretty coordinated attack. They could have had someone on the end plant bombs earlier. It's true. Of course, I'm sure at some point military would just deploy the drones and just fuck these people up. So. This is going to be a short-lived revolution. Yeah, that's why I say, like, I really don't think in the life of person. One, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where that's, like, allowed. Just because as human beings, I think, yeah, we, we just would not go that far. But also, if, like, it were to go down, like, let's say a revolution like this were to go down, I don't think it would overwhelm America. I think the military put a pretty swift stop to it. As, when it comes to people not being on board with this, I look again at what happened on January 6th where a bunch of people coordinated an attack on the U.S. Capitol and killed a cop. Like, you get enough crazy people in a group and you give them, you know, they think they can do whatever they want, they're going to fucking do whatever they want. I think a purge in this country isn't crazy. I mean, I wouldn't participate, but I do think, like, people would. I think, I think a purge is crazy because I also forget how, like, with that attack... You know, and this is not to demean or belittle that as a 
I absolutely am appalled that even happened in this country. Um, but, you know, it also got stopped fairly quickly, quickly once reinforcements finally got there because, you know, they didn't staff up enough police there. Um, so that's why I say, like, I don't, I really don't, because in real life, I, we'd be able to handle a situation like that a lot better than what they depict in movies. And I just, I, yeah, you're right. There's crazy people out there. I don't think enough to really warrant like a purge being a thing. I think it's just as much of idiots that get together thinking they're going to do something and they get squashed by everyone else. I hope you're right. I hope some crazy ass political party doesn't come into power and suggest something similar. I hope it doesn't happen, but if it does happen, I won't be surprised. And I'm also always of the belief that like for every bad, there must be good, right? Good follows. And I really do think that our, I'm trying to be careful because of my uh, job what we went through under the prior administration and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, hate you were seeing online and in, in the earth, in the ward, in a way, I'm hoping that because that the hate's getting out there, that eventually we'll start to see the good. People will finally be like, all right, we've, the hate's been exposed. It's been put out there and now we can fix it, you know, and yeah. we'll have some good years to follow. Um, it ever since like, I mean, I don't know. For me, I've kind of noticed ever since that ins- the insurrection, things have kind of quieted down. Now, you know, restrictions are being lifted. People seem to be a little bit happier going back out, being people again. So hopefully we're on a track to better things here. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm just a negative, pessimistic motherfucker who doesn't like slasher films and doesn't trust this country anymore. <laughs> That's probably what's going on. It's probably what's going on, buddy. Yeah, my, my self-awareness is important. <laughs> um, so yeah, this movie hit me a little harder than I expected to because I was like, this, I, this could, this makes sense to me. Um, I, I, I like I said, the to me this part was it hit me, it terrified me the most. I do, you know, like okay, yeah, I'm not saying a purge. I do, I do purge isn't terrifying like a night where crime's legal, but the idea that people would get to a point. Where one night is not enough. Yeah. And they say, fuck what that siren tells me. I'm purging forever. I love the sound of that siren, by the way. There's something so creepy about that fucking siren. In all oh. five films, just like, oh boy. Like I, I like how the I like how the series knows it because they make a point to play the message and do the sirens every single time. The TV show did it also. So I love how they're very aware that that's become like a key part of this franchise. Yeah. And they keep it intact for every single film and two season TV show. Yeah, damn straight. I, I like the idea that Mexico and Canada opened their borders for the American refugees. That made me laugh. Yeah, only for six hours. That's why I love to look. Whoa, 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 whoa. Six hours. Let's calm down. I love, <laughs> I love how like El Paso got so bad that they just shut it down immediately. They're like, fuck off. You guys took out your army. Stay out. Get out of here. And then I like the little like new the Mexican news at the end talking about like what they're going to do with all these American dreamers and how they're going to what like they're taking up jobs in their country. And I'm like, ah, shoes on the other foot. It just it's an interesting, you know, angle to take. And I get how, you know, it's political, but I kind of like when 
when shit gives me that little uh, little jab. I like that. Like I said, I'm not. I know I'm. I'm selling. I'm so against it. I'm not against movies having like a political message or anything at all. I, I think it's actually important if you want to do it, do it because it makes people talk. It's, I mean, look at us on this part. It's making us talk right now. I just I I'm I very much like either a nice healthy balance or it'd be a little bit broad because at the end of the day I kind of want to enjoy the movie mostly. So just for like I said, just for me personally, when I notice it becoming less broad, more direct with the fourth movie into this one to an extent, I was like, it, it was just a slight negative. I, I still enjoyed the hell out of the movie. It's just a slight negative is all. But I still enjoyed the movie. You're making me think of Michael Keaton and the other guys when he tells everybody to gather around. And he's like, all right, just, just back up a, a, a bit there. No, wait, that's too much. Just just bring it in just a little. <laughs> like, You need that. You need everyone to be right in that sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. I need a sweet spot with the comment. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I just find it amusing. Yeah, I, I can tell. Um, I this one had like you know, and essentially the perch. Another thing I want to point out was like these perch films, like they're not the goriest fucking franchise out there, but when they go for it, they do a good job. And this one had some good gore effects at times. I agree. I liked the uh, when the, the Native American dude showed up to like get them into Mexico, and he's like, "We've been fighting this war for <laughs> years. Like, goddamn you, this this isn't my fight." <laughs> like, that was that was sweet. It was cool to watch. You know, the minorities, you know, fuck up the, the white supremacists. Like that, that felt good. Yeah, and that was an oh, that was it. That was the only thing I wanted to point out. I think that made this terrifying. Is that I could believe that if anyone in this country. Let's say the purge was a thing and wanted to keep it going forever. It would be those type of people. Absolutely. Well, that's never been a secret in this franchise. It's always been, you know, people who hate the poor, people who hate minorities, people who hate, you know, just the homeless. Like, absolutely. Everyone who loves purging is purging those people. And yeah, now it's finally, you know, a little bit more on the nose. But yeah, it's a... those yeah, those fuckers got theirs. It was nice. Yeah, they did. Granted, now that you know, seeing the movie, I wish the trailer would put the fucking bad dudes, the head bad dudes, like death in the damn trailer. Because when it was happening, and you remember the main trailer, and he's like, "Does this translate?" And you hear the gunshot, and then I'm watching the movie, I'm like, "Holy shit!" Well, like, yeah, but you didn't know death. who he was shooting, like. Not at the time, but it's like, look, I get it. I Look, I like trailers. I'm not one of those that's like saying the trailer puts everything in the movie. It's just sometimes. like, it's sometimes I do. It's just one of those cases where once I watched, as I was watching, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, they, they put that in the damn tra- I Like, I would have left that part out of the trailer. Because yeah. then you're, you're putting like essentially the antagonist death in the fucking trailer. Like, yeah, I know he's going to die, but like, don't take it from me. I want to see it. The worst offender of too much in the trailer to me has been Terminator Genesis. When oh, they yeah. straight up revealed John Connor's a Terminator now, which should have been a huge fucking like, oh my God, in the movie. But we all went in just with no surprises. <laughs> to me, to me, that one, and then with the Pet Cemetery remake, when they completely revealed that they switched the genders. Yeah. It's like, look, it would be like, look, I could care less if you want to switch the kids in the movie. I get it. I'm fine with it. It probably would have worked very well. But god damn it, don't put it in the trailer. 
that first trailer for Pet Cemetery that was just the bare bones with the drum music. That is one of the creepiest fucking trailers ever. I still watch that trailer back, like, you know, sometimes to get like a little bit of like what could have been because that was a perfect trailer. That was creepy. You know, ah, what happened? Damn it. Oh, I hate when yeah. bad things happen to good movies. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, Forever Purge. Uh, anything else you'd like to bring up? Um, uh, the ending to this one. So I know I just kind of like bitch about how they undo the ending to the third one. <laughs> All right. If you're going to make a sixth one, for the love of God, do not undo the fucking ending to this one. Because this movie had the most to me, like one of the best endings, in that it was the at t- both at the same time the most nihilistic ending, and yet the most hopeful ending this series has done. Because yeah, America is fucking burning, but you're also getting the news report that the NFFA is now for sure done. Like now, it's like no, you fucked up. The country is like ruined because of you. And- I like that. I have an idea for a sixth movie that would kind of make it like an escape from New York kind of thing. Uh, see, look, I can't even be original anymore in these days. Um, so we play off the end of the, for- of the Forever Purge and the Purgers have taken over a sizable portion of the country led by the new founding fathers. Like Purge world is always happening. And regular America is over here and we're at a constant civil war kind of a dmz north korea south korea thing and new president like their plane crashes on the other side and like frank grillo leads a command like a team of commandos into purge world to save like the president's daughter or something i'd be down for that he isn't me was he like this series of viagra because ever since he left i just haven't liked the sequels as much as the ones that he was in yeah and bringing him back would be fucking awesome especially you know in a high position of power after you know being the president's security he would probably be like a go-to guy for a black ops mission yeah that would be fucking awesome yeah i would be down because yeah again if they just stick with the ending that was text, i i was impressed with this ending it showed our country on fucking fire and ruins but it gave the hope that look the nfa nfa is down we're going to do what we can to quell this and never enact the purge again and try to rebuild our country you could call it the purge war. Oh, that would work. Boom. Yeah. Call me James DeMonica. We'll do lunch. You know what they're probably going to do, though? It's just completely fucking refix the goddamn thing, though. You're probably right. They'll do a quick throw. we like, well, we, we crunched it, and we got it all back together, and NFFA was cleared of everything, and they're back in charge. We're all good purging again. Well, I mean, they run the government. Of course, they're going to be cleared. <laughs> oh, well. I enjoyed it. I give the Forever Purge an eight. Like the rest of these films, I found them crazy and entertaining. I give this one a, a seven. I, I still overall enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. It's just, I, I don't know, like two and three really hit a sweet spot for me that just worked and it hasn't been matched since those two. Fair enough. I get it. And I just, God, undoing the ending and not, oh God. That really bugged me. And the whole time I'm in the theater, I'm thinking like, this movie better be fucking great because that really pissed me off. It, <laughs> If they, if it, if you could have justified saying the movie wouldn't work, if you didn't do that, I'd accept it. I'd be fine. Like, okay, okay, but the movie would have worked fine with the ending intact. I don't understand. 
Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This was a big episode. Uh, see all these movies we talked about if you want to. If not, don't. I don't give a shit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I recommend personally from this bunch, uh, Werewolves Within, Forever Purge, and uh, Tomorrow War. Uh, pretty good movies. Uh, from this bunch, I would recommend Werewolves Within, Fear Street, and Till Death. Check those out. So, yeah, just basically, I think if you could take anything away from this, don't watch No Sudden Move. It's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Watch American Emotion Picture before you watch that. At least you can might get entertained by the, just the sheer craziness. Yeah, Run the Jewels does part of the soundtrack. I mean, what more do you need? <laughs> uh, some comedy. That's what I need. Uh, so next week is very special. We finally get to do a Marvel movie with the long-awaited release of Black Widow. Very excited. Uh, you can see it in theaters or 30 bucks on Disney Plus if you really want to do that to yourself. I already got a ticket for the theater and it was way cheaper. Yeah, I'm, you know, this is a, another one that got pushed last year, beginning of Marvel's phase four. I guess not anymore, the shows are. But, you know, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Uh, also on Netflix, we'll have Fear Street Part Two, 1978. Uh, looking forward to both of these, but obviously Black Widow is a big one. And uh, I'm more looking forward to Fear Street just to see who it rips off next. So we will see. Uh, I have a what, feeling Sleepaway what, Camp and Friday the 13th are going to get torn apart. Oh, which books it follows next? What book did the first one follow? Book I don't know. Oh, huh. I haven't. It's been a while since I've read the book, so. Oh, Okay. But again, they're they're based off books, so you know it's not really ripping off if it's based off pre-existing material. It is if you ignore that material. Uh, they didn't ignore that material though. So I feel like they did. Check they out did Saint Maud on Wednesday's Filmgasm and What's Eating Gilbert Grape on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies, unless they're slasher films. Only if they're slashers. <laughs>